0: Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.
1: Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: <laughs> Moreno... New Zealand, uh, good morning to you, you, wherever you are listening. It's been, uh, I I guess, a a sort of a a wild start to the morning, hasn't it? Um, Already we've had uh, texts rolling in uh, about our reaction to what we're doing at the weekend. Uh, Yes, my first one came from my wife. I am listening, Louise. There you go. Oh, God, you can't get away with anything these days. However, on the show, we will attempt to. Uh, Grant Nisbet, just uh, after nine o'clock, fantastic. Uh, Gina Crampton uh of course uh silver ferns captain who has now got permission and uh, may well already be with the silver ferns and christchurch anyway we'll um that uh, will catch up with gina that is great news steve menzies a manly stalwart aka the beaver in australia as opposed to our one uh, this afternoon on drive nathan rariri and jamie wall on the panel uh, then we'll go and do some harness racing uh, with michael Guerin. Uh, talk to Louis Herman, Watt, Paul Mawati, and plenty more. You can stump me around about eleven thirty, uh, and we'll talk NPC as well, because it's back underway this weekend. Fantastic! Looking forward.
0: Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's sermon.
2: Well, great news yesterday. Common sense prevailed. Our four Auckland-based netballers released to join the Silver Ferns in Christchurch. Clearly, exemptions, exemptions too can be made if the occasion is important enough, if the protocols are followed and the processes are adhered to. We shouldn't assume that those ladies who have been given the pass out are fully vaccinated. We should absolutely know that because surely that wouldn't have happened if they weren't. Uh, not the case though for the six NPC rugby players, four of whom are fully vaccinated, two of them half, who had their exemptions revoked yesterday, forcing them to return to their level four basis. clearly The correct protocols and processes weren't followed, and the occasion isn't big enough. But hey, 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 we're talking about the Ranfurley Shield here. SENZ is Kiwi for sport. We are a sports station. We champion it. It's our lifeblood. We wish it was for everybody, but of course, it isn't. So we respect that and the knowledge that for a huge multitude of Kiwis, it's far from the top of their agenda. For those in particular who have sick or dying family and loved ones who can't break those Auckland shackles to be at their side in some cases, uh, attend their funerals, what netball they say. And they are right. What netball? So getting back to my original statement, let common sense prevail. Let processes, protocols be adhered to. Let equal consideration be given. Let exemptions be made. It's not netball or sport, but for many, it is actually life and death. And did I read yesterday that the Māori Party are petitioning that New Zealand officially becomes Aotearoa? Did I? It's a perfect and safe time for me to jump off the soapbox, TGIF, and it's only three hours to a cold one. 9.06 here on SENZ uh, and you cannot start Friday in any better fashion than to talk to Grant Nisbet, the voice of rugby, particularly with such a big rugby weekend coming up over the weekend. The All Blacks, of course, have got the late game uh, against the Pumas at Suncorp Stadium. Prior to that, the Wallabies and the Springboks game two. Uh, Fantastic results uh, last weekend. And of course, we've got the NPC And uh, one FPC game uh, coming up over the weekend as well. So rugby fans, your prayers have been answered. And uh, Grant Nisbet joins us here. Nisbo, good morning to you.
3: G'day, Smithy. All right there. Yeah, good, mate. Very good.
2: Good on you, right. OK, let's look at, uh, first of all, the All Blacks. Um, It was always going to be the case they had to uh, rest, rotate, and uh, be a bit more selective in terms of what's coming up, more so than perhaps tomorrow. Did you... Did you expect that and you're happy with the
3: side? Yeah, look, I am given the way the Pumas played last week. I mean, if the Pumas had been more competitive and had actually asked us a few questions, then maybe we wouldn't have made wholesale changes. But really, they weren't in it last week. They were awful. I don't know what's happened, really. I mean, when you consider just less than a year ago, they beat us in Sydney. Admittedly, we went back and beat them quite handsomely in Newcastle, but... I can't see any progress at the moment in the way Argentina are playing. So, look, if they'd been a little more competitive last week, I think the All Black selectors may well have, uh, you know, thought long and hard before they made significant changes. But because the Pumas didn't front last week, uh, they can afford to be a little more expansive. And and also, of course, they've got a very deep squad over there in Australia. And so that, you know, you can't take blokes on tour for three months and not give them... Uh, some game time and so from that point of view they would have looked at uh, they would have looked before they even left the shores of New Zealand they would have looked at the particular games where they would need their top 15 on the park and uh, Mm -hmm. they would have looked at some of the games where they didn't need their top 15 on the park and I think tomorrow is one of those games so it's a great opportunity for uh, some of these blokes who haven't had much time on the field.
2: Uh, Nisbo, we um, started uh, this season. of international season started against uh, Tonga, of course, with that hundred and two nil hiding. Uh, as it's got through to this point, are you uh, happy with the progress and uh, the direction that it's heading? That the squad?
3: Yeah, look, I am, Smithy. I, I think uh, you know when you consider the players who are not currently in Australia, and you know we're talking significant players, uh, blokes like uh, Sam Kane and Sam Whitelock and. Aaron Smith and Dane Coles and, you know, there might be one or two others I've left out there. But when you consider they're not there and we're still playing pretty damn well, as we did in, um, you know, as we did in Perth and as we did last week, I'm, uh, I'm very happy with the depth. We've always said there's great depth. I mean, there's always weeping and gnashing of teeth when players say they're going overseas to play in Japan or whatever. I always say, look, let them go. Let them go. Let's forget them. And um, because we've got so many guys knocking on the door and that's proven, you know, we've got blokes um, who, who, who are probably never going to be All Blacks, who would be, who would be internationals in any other country. So, look, I'm really happy with the way things are going and the way we're playing our footy too. And it was a real contrast last week, I thought, you know, the Wallabies and the All Blacks tried to play a bit of footy. The Springboks and the Argentinians were so damn negative and it was reflected in their results.
2: Mackenzie at back at ten. I I I didn't realise. I I read some stats uh, yesterday about Damien McKenzie. He's only ever started at ten once before for the All Blacks. I I would have uh, lost a a couple of sherbets on that. So his second start at ten.
3: Yeah, look, I I, I've got no problem with that at all. I mean, we know that he's a multi-talented player. He's known better as a fullback these days. uh, We know that the Chiefs tried him a few times at first five and. Um, and uh, because they probably didn't have a, a, a better fullback, they had to put him back there, and they covered 10 quite easily. But, look, he is a multi-talented player, and I, and I, and I think he played a lot of 10 when he was a schoolboy. Um, so it's not a position that is foreign to him. And, uh, look, I, I think he's got all the skills required. They really had no option, let's be honest, because Moanga, even though he's over in Australia, he's not available to play this weekend, and, of course, Bowden Barrett obviously did a little tweak of the hamstring and even though he's in the reserve, so I'd, I'd imagine if they're comfortable, they won't get Barrett on the field at all because he might be needed the following week. So look, I've no problem at all with Mackenzie at 10.
2: You've watched Adi Savia play a lot of rugby over the years in and develop along the way that he has. What for you is his preferred position? Being, bearing in mind, of course, he's at 7 this weekend.
3: I think that is his preferred position, Smithy. To be honest with you, but I, I think he's not reluctantly gone to number eight. But um, you know, if he if he was asked um, candidly, I'm sure he'd say seven because that's basically where he's played most of his first-class rugby, right through from uh, you know through Wellington Hurricanes and All Blacks, and uh, and um, he sort of had to wait around, um, you know, in the Richie McCaw days, I guess. But Sam Kane is the accepted number seven. Sam's not there at the moment. And, um, yeah, they're just a little bit short of open side flankers. They're giving Dalton Popoligi a rest this week, which is fair enough. He's had a pretty heavy sort of a workload. Mm-hmm. And so Adi, I think, is uh, is going to be very happy that he finds himself at number seven. He's a, he's a natural number seven. He gets over the ball. He turns it over quickly. He's got extreme pace. He's a very good number eight. But uh, I think if you asked him, he would probably say seven is where he prefers to play
2: reassuring I think is the word uh, I, I think about now when I look at uh, Brodie Retallick of course captain last weekend and I think that was a wise choice because if ever there's a follow me player in an in all black jersey uh, it's Brodie Retallick but there were doubts in this but there were reservations that perhaps Japan rugby hadn't been the best thing for him in terms of his great form but uh, I think those questions might have been answered now
3: yeah, I agree. I, he was a little bit slow to get to, uh, up to speed, Smithy. Um, you know, I, I know you had a quite a lengthy conversation at Eden Park with him, and probably discussed that very thing. Um, and I, I think he probably found the pace um, coming back to New Zealand playing international rugby a little bit different uh, to Japan, and also the physicality, I would imagine. But look, he is an outstanding player. We all know that. In fact, when you're picking. Your greatest All Black fifteen of all time. A lot of people have got Brodie Retallick in there, and uh, you know he's right up there. He's right up there with the greats, and and uh, it was only a matter of time, I guess. He's, he's so many, so many um, multifaceted around the field, isn't he? he? Tackles, he runs with the ball. He seems to be in the right place at the right time. He's got leadership qualities, and um, it's hard to find any fault with him. And we're so damn lucky, you know when you consider that uh, Sam Whitelock's not there at the moment, that combination is absolutely outstanding. And, um, you know, if we were picking a World Cup team, uh, a team to play in a World Cup final tomorrow, they'd be the two locks, which means, of course, that the likes of Scott Barrett and Patrick Tupolotu, who would make most international 15 starting lineups, they, at the moment, can't really get a look in.
2: Ah, no, it's staggering. Uh, it's staggering when you look at it that way. Uh, you mentioned before the Springboks just don't look like they wanted to play uh, the kind of rugby the world wants to see them play. Uh, do you think they'll be better? I mean, they, they are uh, massive favourites. The Wallabies are about three ten tomorrow, head-to-head. Well, I think that's reasonable value, to be fair.
3: Yeah, throw it in your multis. <laughs> um, look, I was unimpressed with the Springboks. I mean, they've come off a tough series against the Lions. They should have been battle-hardened. Two test matches against Argentina, and they served up that rubbish last week, which basically was all about trying to win the set pieces and then kicking the ball and hoping like hell the opposition make a mistake. That was it. There was nothing else. Uh, the centres, the wingers, the fullback they never came into it. It was uh, Andre Pollard, bang in the air. Let's hope they make a mistake and we'll capitalise. The only tries they scored were from rolling malls. Uh That was it. Uh, they absolutely showed nothing. They've got to show a hell of a lot more. I, I really enjoyed the way the Wallabies played. And uh, you always get a good game of rugby when the All Blacks play the Wallabies because you've got two teams who have got a similar sort of mindset. They want to play the game. They want to score tries, et cetera, et cetera. Unfortunately, at the moment, when you play the Springboks or the Pumas, they seem to have a fairly negative mindset, and uh, they try and grind it out. There's no reason why the Springboks should do that because they do have quality on their wings and in their centres, but at the moment, they just don't use them.
2: Uh, Nisbo, we just had a text in from Trent who said, uh, ask Grant, Barrett or Mawonga? Barrett or Mawonga?
3: <laughs> Look, that's going to be a hell of a decision for Ian Foster next week. Given that Richie Mawonga hasn't played for, what, I guess it'll be a, a month or so, and the fact that he's, uh, he's been, as it were, quarantined, I, I, think, I think Mawonga starts with his nose in front. Um, his super rugby form was compelling, and uh, at the start of the international season, I think that he has uh, played really, really well. Um, Barrett is coming up to speed. Whether he's got to his previous best yet is debatable. So, look, if I had to pick between the two, I'd probably go Richie moonga
2: OK, right. That's the definitive for, uh, for you, Trent. Hope you're happy with that. And there's a couple of uh, sideline issues uh, away from what's happening at the moment. Uh, Paniki Rugby Club, you're a very proud member along... T- Uh, standing member of the Paniki Rugby Club we've been doing this sort of thing, finding out about numbers and sport, how's Paniki looking in terms of uh, their their development through to junior through to uh, their senior teams
3: Oh look, not as good as I mean, when I was there Smithy we probably had 10 or 12 teams and I think we're probably down to about 5 now but there wouldn't be too many clubs around Wellington anyway that's got many more than that um, look, it's all about it's all about uh, fostering the schoolboys and and the junior side of the club, and in the schoolboys they're one of the best clubs in Wellington for for doing that. Then you've got to hope that it filters through to when these kids start to leave school and and look around at a club, uh, you know they've got a Colts team, the the club itself is in is in very good heart. Um, And, of course, you always look for results on the field, and they haven't been great over the last few years, although they did win the Hardham Cup this year, which is kind of the second tier, I suppose. But, uh, look, club rugby is struggling. I think we all know that. Um, I can remember, you know, Upper Hutt used to be probably the strongest club in Wellington numerically, and they, um, way back in the sort of 60s and 70s, could have up to uh, 15, 16, 17, 18 uh, teams in their club you know, they're probably like everybody else now, down to maybe five or six. So, um, numerically, struggling. Um, but uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, Smithy, but I just love to put the old gummies on on a Saturday afternoon if I can mm. and go and stand on the yep. sideline and watch it.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I, I know it's still one of your great passions, Nisbo. Twelves. Um, uh, uh, the Twelves, I haven't spoken to you since uh, the Twelves was mooted. Now, You know Steve Hansen pretty well, so Steve Hansen, I'm not sure he'd put his name to anything that didn't have a lot of teeth to it, so uh, what do you you think of the prospects of 12s?
3: Oh, I don't know, Smithy, to be honest with you. I mean, there's so much rugby on at the moment that trying to fit another form of the game in, um, I don't know whether there's room. You know, by the time you play... By the time you play, um, you know, super rugby and provincial rugby and club rugby and sevens and international rugby, where the hell do you fit this in? Um, am I being cynical and thinking this is a money making exercise or am I <laughs> no. just overstepping the mark a wee bit there?
2: <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's money. Don't you worry about that. If it's anything like, and the, the IPL has been mentioned as Buffett, well, anything like the IPL. It's exactly what it's all about. So uh, we'll leave it at that. But there is an interesting... uh, We've been asking people, uh, particularly those people that have been uh, affected by Level 4 for so long in Auckland, what their breakout meal would be. Now, for you, um, there's a market at the TAB, apparently, for Nisbo's favourite breakout meal. In other words, what he'd like to access away from home. So uh, here, I've uh, I've got this market, and you can confirm or deny it if you like. Uh, Fish and chips are $4.95. Chinese is seven (laughs) dollars fifty. Curry, curry is eight dollars sixty five. McDonald's nine dollars ninety. Burger King eleven dollars sixty two, and KFC is a dollar one. Can you confirm that market?
3: (laughs) Well, I tell you what, Smithy. uh, Down here in Wellington, (laughs) and probably like you up there in in Napier, KFC has been available for a couple of weeks, and I haven't ventured in. But I tell you what. I tell you what, a dollar two and firming is a visit to the green parrot.
2: (laughs) I love it, absolutely love it, Milsay, and I don't doubt that for a second. Congratulations, I hope you enjoy. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, thanks for your time, as always, mate. uh, Enjoy the weekend of rugby, and there's plenty of it for us to digest. Thank you. Good on you, Smithy. Yeah, cheers, man. 9:20 a.m. here on SCNZ. Loves this KFC, but loves the Green Parrot. And if you haven't been there in um, your trips to Wellington, your boys' trips or whatever, Green Parrot, really worth a visit. Won't leave hungry. I can promise you that. Uh, and, OK, so what, what what can we talk about this morning? Double eight, double three. Netball is getting priority. Did you agree with that? The netballers being able to play, uh, the rugby guys being called back to Auckland because of process, was it? The way they went about it? Uh, because four of them uh, were fully vaccinated, two of them, half vaccinated so on the way there um, so what are your thoughts about that um, should that happen I mean I, I know most of you are, are devout sporting fans a lot of you are rugby fans a lot of you are netball fans uh, is it right though that uh, other people in Auckland who have people uh, around the country they desperately I mean desperately need to see for health reasons and whatever uh, can't get there 921
1: find the mic you're in safe hands it's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
2: yeah, nine twenty-six here on SENZ. Dollar uh, one for KFC. Uh, yep, it's uh, about right for Nisbo. I think that uh, is quite a popular market. There's a, actually a text came in for Izzy, but he didn't ask me this morning. Can you ask Smithy what happened in two thousand and twelve? He was promoting Steinlager Pure by repeated use of the word pure during a series match against Ireland. Uh, if you Google uh, it, you'll see it, and um, that was a load of crap. Absolute load of crap. Uh, I was talking about. Um, sometimes when you're doing commentary, you do get a word stuck, but you, 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 I was talking about Dan Carter. I mean, you cannot get more pure than Dan Carter's kicking style, the way that he plays the game. So I think I used the word two or three times in relatively quick succession uh, about Dan Carter. And wh- what happened was some goof, some goof from the Lincoln New Zealand Herald, wrote a story that I was perhaps perhaps Sky should look into it. I was perhaps taking a side, uh, kickback from Steinlager, which is a complete and utter load of rubbish. Uh, even the CEO of Sky did ring me and say, Smithy, uh, please, the CEO at the time, rang me and said, Smithy, tell me it's not true. I said, you know it's not true. That's not my kind of thing. So uh, I don't even drink Steinlager. So that, that was a thing, you know. So uh, it's just amazing how these things can, and that was what, nine years ago, and jay is still thinking about it oh oh, there you go anyway um interesting but absolutely wrong got nothing no kickbacks because of it Uh, and it was uh, just because dan carter believe it or not dan carter is quite a pure rugby player or i thought he was Uh, joseph parker Uh, john has uh, locked down a fight i see Uh, a rematch with derek chisora and that is uh, on december the 19th new zealand time in manchester uh, of course, they had that controversial finish, didn't they, in the verdict to the last fight? Yeah, absolutely. Good to see Joe back in the ring, even if it is in December.
1: I know he. we've talked to him and he's really keen to get back in the ring. And I'm not sure whether this was his preferred fight. I think he'd rather fight Dillian White again, who he did lose to quite quickly after he uh, fought for the world title against Anthony Joshua. So, um, But a rematch against Derek Chisora, he's um, a bit of a veteran up there in the UK, and remember Parker and May actually got fouled by him in the very first round. Um, pretty much straight away and had to get up and then won that on points decision. So that's why Derek Chisora thought that was controversial and wanted the rematch straight away was because normally when you knock over your opponent, you almost always win on points because you win that first round 10-7, in some cases maybe 10-8. So um, a few unanswered questions for Chisora there, but Joe, this is just a must win. Smithy, I know he's, he wants to be world champion again. And if he wants to be world champion again, he's got to come up with a statement victory. Uh, we talked about Ian Foster needing a statement performance. He's delivered a few now. Well, Joseph Parker, I think it's been a while, Smithy, since we've watched one of his fights and gone, whoa, Joseph Parker, holy moly. He is right up there with the likes of Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. You know, he's he's not in that class yet. Um, we need to see that he is. And Chisora in December on his home ground, a good opportunity for Joe.
2: OK, well, that's good, uh, John. I look forward to that because uh, we talked about it, didn't we, yesterday? We talked about the need for quality in the heavyweight division. Uh, get rid of Holyfield and these guys and... And let's be honest and let's get to, to the modern day guys and Joseph Parker is a great advertisement for that. It's 9.30 and news time with Trudy. 9.32 here on SENZ and great news yesterday for netball fans around the country because of course... Uh, Our four Auckland-based Silver Ferns got the good news that they had been hoping for, uh, given a release uh, and an exemption to travel to Christchurch for the first of uh, three test matches beginning on Monday uh, against uh, the English Roses three-test series, all down at the same stadium. Um, News would have been extra sweet for my guest uh, now, Gina Crampton, who is the, the new captain of the Silver Ferns. Uh, how relieved, Gina, are you uh, to be heading down? Or uh, actually, where where are you now? That might be the best question, to be heading uh, to Christchurch for netball.
4: <laughs> yeah, yes, it was definitely very good news to be, um, you know, granted the ex- exemption. We're very thankful um, to the Ministry of Health for, you know, letting us join the rest of the crew. And um, our flight is 7.55 tonight. So we're a couple of days late okay. to um, joining everyone else, but just thankful that we can get down there. <laughs>
2: Well, tell us about the process because uh, I guess you know. You, 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 I mean, it's, having been named as captain, the first thing you want to do is uh, fulfil the role. So, uh, what was the wait like, and yeah. and the process from your point of view?
4: Yeah. Oh, obviously, you know, you want to be there, um, whether you're you know you're captain or not. But I guess that sort of adds a little bit to it. And I guess the whole week, you know, we've been trying to get um, down to Christchurch, and it's been a bit of a waiting game, really. And um we weren't expecting it to be honest so um yeah when we got the call yesterday that we were able to go um yeah very big excitement levels i guess so um yeah just looking forward to joining everyone
2: so you have to you know, had to test negative uh, did you have to have inoculations uh, i mean uh, it's been one of the big question marks uh, about how you know how careful we have to be about these sorts of things so what what what's been that kind of process for you
4: yeah, we so we had to have um a couple of tests actually and if we had to wait um to get our negative test results back today um before being able to jump on our flight, which is um obviously totally understandable. You know, we've been um really good with signing in anywhere we go or just even um, you know, not going anywhere, you know, not being the person that goes to the supermarket and things just to make sure that we're being as safe as possible and um, making sure that we're doing everything we can to, to possibly get the exemption. So um, the players are pretty lucky. All of our management from Auckland actually haven't been granted the exemption. So, um, you know, yeah, we're we're very thankful and counting our lucky stars. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, I'm sure you are, Gina. Um, what have you been able to do, though? Uh, exactly what have you been able to do to get yourself ready for actually actual court action?
4: Yeah, it's been pretty tough, definitely. We obviously have to train by ourselves, so it's going to be interesting to see actually how we turn up um, to training tomorrow, you know, whether we're um, quite far behind or not, I guess, because it's, it's a loading issue, I guess, you know, you don't want to um, just be thrust into training or a game and then, you know, get an injury. So there's definitely those sorts of things to think about. And I think that's why Knowles has been so smart around getting so many people in, um, you know, to cover us. And we're going to have a squad of 18 by the time that we join everyone. So I guess that's the point in that, but, yeah, trainings have been pretty tough, um, but we're just doing everything that we can as, as best as we can with, you know, what we've got in Level 4.
2: I've been reading a, a little bit about uh, the, the time that you were asked to be captain, and you, whilst you didn't say yes uh, straight away, you wanted to, but you did a bit of consulting around the place uh, just to see if it was for you and you were for it.
4: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I guess you know, no one would really turn down the, you know, that honour of, you know, being asked to be captain, especially um, under Knowles, but I think, yeah, just taking a couple days to get my head around it, um, I think there's a lot of pressure that comes with being a leader, and um, yeah, I just, I guess I needed to talk to a few people closest to me, um, just to sort of work my way through it, really, but um, obviously really excited to do it, and hopefully just get you know better and better at better and better at it um you know along the way hopefully
2: <laughs> well i mean it's a, it's a developing art and i'm sure you know uh, success is always a good thing for captains i can promise you that uh, look you've got <laughs> yeah. you've got sulu um fitzpatrick as your vice captain and uh, she's had uh, quite an inspirational time of it lately
4: yes definitely she's an amazing leader i've known sulu for a long time and um yeah, she's just an amazing woman, really, and so I'm thankful that she is the person that I get to do this with. Um, her voice and her, you know, her love for the team is, is shown in everything that she does, and she had such a successful year with the Mystics. And, um, you know, I think she deserved all of that. It, it's probably been a long time coming for Sulu, so um, really excited that we get to work together a bit closely.
2: I think the whole country's been waiting to see uh, on the on the back of her terrific shooting form, Grace and Wiki. Uh, I, finally get the, the the GS bib on for uh, the Silver Ferns. Um, and so now that uh, you've got permission and, and she's part of the group travelling, uh, that's an exciting proposition because she was absolutely on fire for the Northern Mystics.
4: Yeah, you can't deny how much of a threat Grace is. Um, obviously, the rest of us have to you know, deal with having to try and combat her throughout the ANZ um, Premiership season and now it's quite nice to have her on the same team to be honest. Um, She's so young and I think um, this is a good time for her to come in. You know, you don't want to bring people in too early. She's had a couple years, um, solid years in in the ANZ now and, and she's grown so much and I think perfect time for her to be pulled in, you know, before a pinnacle year next year and I think, yeah, she's going to be massive for the Silver fans for many years to come.
2: And I don't want to leave out to Peta Peta who was uh, absolutely outstanding in combination with her. I think that was, for me, the highlight of the ANZ Premiership Grand Final, the way they they actually had a sixth sense about where they both were on the court. Uh, Look, um, do you see that kind of combination continuing on with the Silver Ferns at some point?
4: Oh, for sure. I think um, definitely, you know, people that have connections like that, they're always going to be such a strong part of a team, and um, I think it's just finding out how that all, you know, gels together with everyone else. Um, but obviously, yeah, Pessa is amazing. Her her ball skills and her, I guess, her game smarts are something that um, are a real strength of Peta's, and so exciting to see that in the black dress once again.
2: So, obviously, at the helm, um, with you being a brand new captain, of course, your, your relationship with a coach is hugely important. Uh, and the way that you mesh together and and get on the same sort of wavelength, I guess, and portray that. Uh, What kind of um, contact have you been able to have with uh, Noelene through this process?
4: Yeah, um, I mean, spoken to her quite a bit over the um, last couple of weeks, and she's always someone that, you know, is so honest and, um, I guess, won't do you wrong and always wants to be, like, doing things for the right, Reason and I think that's really cool. And I've known her um, for a few years now as well. She was actually our steel coach for a year in 2016. And just I think she's just such an amazing person, and she's always person before netballer, which is um, a great asset to, to the side. And yeah, I just think that you know, under someone like Knowles, that we're always going to be set in the right direction and we'll always have so much support. And you know, that's really important that there's trust between. Um, not only the team and her, but her and I as well, and being a- able to have those honest conversations and um, things like that is really crucial, and um, I feel that that's there, which is awesome.
2: Uh, Gina, one of the other things that um, you, you probably haven't, well, you haven't been able to talk too much, I guess, about uh, the English Roses. Now, of course, uh, you played the English Roses were here uh, in October. Uh, but this is a, a different and more experienced-looking English Rose lineup, and they've probably, in a weird sort of way, had a better build-up than you guys, a more settled-together build-up.
4: <laughs> yeah, it definitely. I think they've had a far better build-up than we have. Um, obviously, MIQ isn't ideal, but we've sort of been there anyway, in that anyway ourselves, um, with New Zealand being in lockdown, so... Yeah, and we haven't actually even been together as a group yet. Well, the girls are together today, um, but you know, English the English team have been out of MIQ for about a week now. I think training together, so yeah, they probably um, had the better run than we have, and they do have a, um, a sort of more experienced side than they brought across last year. And last year they really brought it to us. I think we were, you know, quite lucky to to beat uh, beat them the three times. So it's going to be a really really tough series and obviously we're missing a few crucial players um, from last year as well and Jane and Mills so it's going to be tough for us but I think that um, we're totally up for it and um, we're, pre- we're prepared as much as we could be you know in, in the circumstances so it's going to be a, a good series
2: but Apart from the, the fact you're playing for a very proud trophy uh, what are the other things that, that you need to get out of this series going forward? <laughs>
4: Well, I think um, it's always we're always trying to um, have steps towards getting that that dominance. Um, that's definitely been something that's been on our radar for a while. Our values are pure, and we're after pure dominance, so that's the thing that we're always striving towards. Um, but I think also providing depth, you know, to our squad and, and giving these girls um, international experience is going to be massive. You know, uh, Kong Games is our pinnacle event that we're. Working towards next year, and it's about 300 and something days away. So, you know, it sounds like a lot of days, but really it's going to fly by. So, all these steps that we're, you know, wanting to do in, in this area is working towards that. So, definitely a crucial time for us.
2: Looking forward to uh, seeing you uh, lead the team out on uh, Monday night, Gina. Great news yesterday that um, you found the way to get down there, and uh, the Ministry of Health <laughs> and whatever have, have done that for you. So, thanks to them, uh, and good luck, eh, uh, now that you've got that exemption. Yeah, lovely. Thank you so much. Okay, that's uh, Gina Crampton folks uh, and yeah, uh, along with uh, three teammates Silverfin teammates they'll be on a plane tonight uh, around 7:55 as you heard uh, to Christchurch uh, and they've got a uh, very little time to build up uh, into it tomorrow and Sunday and then of course Monday is game day the 1st of 3. And did you notice, John Day? Did you notice that during that interview, Gina Crampton said the word pure two or three times? <laughs> I did notice that, Smithy. Maybe she's picked up your contract. Well, maybe she has, but there see, that's how quickly these things, how quickly, uh, and you know, just how dangerous these things can appear on the surface when in fact there's nothing to them at all. 9.44.
1: Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Yeah, 9:49 a.m. here, and our text number is double eight double three phone number oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Uh, what do you think about uh, the silver ferns gaining an uh, exemption to play over uh, other uh, aspects of our life in this country at the moment? Is that fair and square for you? I know we're a sports station, but you may have another opinion on that. Uh, Chris has said now I'm going to listen to how many times Smithy says export during a commentary. That would warrant an investigation uh yes uh you could say that that Hawke's Bay line out is worthy of export that uh, Hawke's Bay scrum that try is worthy of export I can say I guess you could fit it in I'll have a crack on Sunday afternoon uh but for no for no benefit uh I'll hesitate uh, won't hesitate to say Chris by the way there'll be no benefit from it uh although it is an afternoon kickoff there might be some afterwards uh just moving along so uh yeah Uh, so there's that issue there's um there's also the issue that's uh, come up again, and it, it won't go away, and neither it should either, is uh, the hosting, the hosting of the America's Cup. Do you, do you think it should still be in Auckland? Should we still be paying for it? Because uh, John Day, it seems, uh, there is still a good possibility, even Grant Dalton has acknowledged this, uh, that this consortium led by uh, Mr Mark Dunphy from uh, Greymouth Petroleum, is it, uh, has, uh, has perhaps found a way. Uh, for it to happen. Exciting. Yeah, very
1: 11th hour sort of stuff. And then, yeah, Emirates Team New Zealand and the uh, you know Royal New Zealand Yacht Squadron putting out a release this morning saying they've still got three overseas options and Mark Dunphy is in the mix with his proposal but they're yet to be convinced that, it can, that all that money can be stumped up uh, to host it in New Zealand. So in this release that they put out this morning, Team New Zealand, still kind of a little bit cold on whether it can still actually be in New Zealand. But Mark Dunphy, once you're dealing in petroleum, Smithy, seems like you've got a lot of money, so um, maybe he does know what he's talking about, but it seems like very last minute with these other overseas options, uh, I think one of them's in Cork and even there battling a little bit, but it seems like the over overseas options are more solid uh, than the ones we've got here, but they have um, lengthened it out now. So I think they wanted to make a decision by the middle of next month, or this month even, Um, now that has been lengthened, to give Mark Dunphy an opportunity to put his case together. And because of Level 4 lockdown, Team New Zealand actually can't leave and go anywhere and explore these options. They need to go and see these places in person to see if it can actually work, and they can't at the moment. So this thing's going to drag on a bit more, Smithy. It's quite fun that it was in Auckland. Um, A lot of the crowds came out and the people enjoyed it. Um, uh, Is it a must-have? Would you break the bank to host uh, Team New Zealand and everything again? Because it costs? Auckland City, a lot of money, and it costs the government a lot of money.
2: Yeah, but hold the phone here. If, if Auckland, if any city in the world needs it and needs news like that, right now, is it not Auckland? Uh, I mean, for those people that invested in businesses uh, around the waterfront, for those people that have accommodation, they have uh, restaurants, etc., the hospitality industry, is it not a pertinent time to be very serious about Auckland getting it back? Uh, I would have thought so. Yep, absolutely. Need
1: the cash. Uh, that was the problem with the last one, wasn't it? That it was during COVID times and all those overseas visitors couldn't come and all those people who they thought were going to come, all those teams that they thought were going to come, only three of them were there in the end, uh, didn't bring all that money, so it made a massive loss. So do you roll the dice again in these COVID times? Um, yeah, probably, probably do, Smithy.
2: Well, I, I'm, I, I'm backing it. You know, I, I back that like... I back the, uh, the Warriors uh, all of a sudden because of the commitment they've made overseas and I back, I back Auckland um, to have it and I think that the, the government, whoever who've uh, stumped up the money should perhaps d- dig a little deeper um, and, and have it back at home because at the end of the day, as uh, PJ Montgomery said uh, America's Cup is still New Zealand's Cup it's 9.53 <laughs>
1: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
4: You got to know when to hold, know when to fold. Smithy's Know when to
2: walk away and know when to run.
0: Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
2: Well, I'm going for the perfect zilch this week, and it's been a disgrace. Even my uh, youngest son said lift your act, so uh, we'll give it a go. We'll give it a go because yesterday uh, the Galaxy could not beat the Houston Dynamo uh, at dollar sixty-seven. That was a one-all draw. The Yankees were prevalent over the Baltimore Orioles at uh, fifty-four. Uh, and Oman to beat the USA, I really don't care. Uh, right, so let's move on to today. Uh, Manly, and tonight, in fact. It starts tonight. Manly to beat the Roosters, $1.29. I have to put Manly in there. Uh, Panthers to beat the Eels, they have to improve, but I think they will on their uh, whole season showing, $1.24. Uh, Sail Sharks to beat Bath. Uh, that's over the weekend. And uh, in English rugby, of course, $1.27. And French rugby in the top 14, brief to beat Pole uh, at $1.46. But where's the value coming, you say? Well, the value... Is Australia to beat the Springboks? The Wallabies to back up and beat the Springboks at three dollars ten. Total return there of nine dollars nineteen over the weekend, and I think that's a pretty damn good value. Right, uh, just coming up to the ten o'clock news. uh, It's Stephen Beaver Menzies, Steve Menzies, legend of rugby league, legend of course of Manly. uh, After the news might ask him uh, where he got his nickname name from, might not. Sometimes asking about nicknames can be a dangerous thing. But I'm sure there's something about his work rate on the field of play. It's 10 o'clock. 10.03 New Zealand time, we're heading across the Tasman now and it's a real uh, highlight of our show this morning to be able to introduce uh, Steve Beaver Menzies, uh, of course, 349 games for the Sea Eagles, uh, a proud origin career, a proud international career, of course, uh, and because uh, Manly was such a popular side back then, pre-Warriors, uh, and Steve Menzies was so, so much part of it, I think New Zealand people really got to know Steve Menzies and adopt him almost, so uh, Steve, uh, good morning, welcome to the show and um, uh, thanks for your time, uh, really important night tonight for Manley Football Club.
5: Yeah, g'day boys, how are we doing? It's, um, yeah, it's going to be exciting for the for the singles boys. They're um you know, a young side, a little bit of experience, but finals is relatively new. Um, now last week wasn't ideal, but they got a second chance. They've done really well to get the top four. So um, yeah, yeah, just exciting to see these young kids get out there and play the way they have played for, the, for the, most of the season and, um, and, and show how good they really are.
2: You know Desi Hasler pretty well. How do you reckon he would have reacted to that performance?
5: Well, he would have been disappointed. The boys the boys would have been disappointed without Desi saying a word. But to be honest, Desi, had, you know, he'd take that as a, a learning experience. And, make this is... Boys, this is what finals free is about. about. Know, there's, there's two competitions a year. There's one to get you into the semis, and it's a whole new comp when you start the semifinals. So it's, it's about producing those little week in week out things that you do to get where we are um, but you need to do that in 80 minutes there's no second chances this is this is what it's about and um, yeah I was talking to a couple of the um, one of the trainers that I sort of know and he said the boys are, have sort of settled down really well this week and um, you know they're, they're confident um, they're quietly confident
2: uh, Steve uh, Tom Trebovich and James Tedesco seem to be the names people talk about when it comes to the winning and losing of this game. But it's surely it's not as simple as that. There's got to be a lot of hard work before that they, they get into, involved.
5: Yeah, totally. I, I suppose it's uh, they're the, the point scoring people, and you know I think when you look at big games, there will be a couple of things that I like to see and uh, how the team's going. Is that field position? You know where the where the fullback's catching the ball where the you know, where they're kicking it from. If you win that field position battle, you're you're putting more attacking kicks in than defending kicks. So it's it's really important and your your middlemen, your forwards are the ones that get you up the field into that better position because the more attacking kicks you can put in, the more fifty fifty chances of a bounce of a ball or a contesting of a ball of you know what I mean if you're not getting out of your half, you're putting these big just long kicks, the fullback just picks it up, no pressure at all. So that little yeah, you know, a field position with the, with the middleman sort of dictate who gets opportunities and then obviously mistakes. If you make a mistake, you give the, opportunity a chance, the, the opposition a chance.
2: Steve, uh, Manly are hot favourites on both sides of the Tasman to win this, but uh, no one knows uh, finals footy uh, better than you and uh, it's so much on the night there. Do you think that's a fair tag, a, a fair favourites tag for them?
5: <laughs> it's probably the, the way they've been playing. It's probably,
2: they they should be favourites,
5: not huge favourites, because they're, just their experience, you know. It, and I think sort of Penrith showed that last year. Best team all year, and you come to these bigger games, and they were good through the through the finals, but um, not at their best. And obviously the grand final, it comes down to 80 minutes. So it's, the boys have got three weeks left uh, to produce, but it, it comes down to 80 minutes. It doesn't matter what you do for the... For the 25 rounds plus semi it's how do we do it tonight? You know, what... Uh, and that's why getting away from this game, that's why Melbourne are so good because they know how to play semi-finals. They've got the experience. They've got the intensity. It's it's another level of everything. So, you yeah, know, the Seagulls boys are a little bit little bit inexperienced and they've just got... I think last week they'll have learned so much in the game as, um, you know, it's the intensity's... Yeah, Melbourne just beat them to everything, so, so they'll have an experience of, of what they need to do tonight.
2: There's always been a very uh, proud influence uh, going all, back a long way of, of Kiwis and, and the Manly set-up, uh, Graham Lowe, Matthew Ridge, Craig it's all those, uh, those fine memories back going. Now, these days, of course, they're still there uh, with Morgan Harper and Josh Schuster. Um, tell us a wee bit about them and, and the importance they have uh, in their roles tonight.
5: Look, they've been two of the finds of, of the season. You know, obviously Josh Shuster's got, um, you now big raps coming through as a junior, and um, you know, he's just fitted in really well. But his skills on the edges, you know, his ball playing skills are you know, Billy like Glenn Stewart like, but he he's been amazing. Um, and week in week out, Morgan Harper, he just impresses me, impresses me, and he's for a young kid uh, to to do sort of what he's doing. He's to, to make. When you sort of come into first grade and you're, you're a young kid and the pace is a lot faster and it's all new and you're a bit nervous and yeah you, know, you sort of have good games and bad games and to be honest he just gets better and better and better each week and he's one of those guys that you just you just pick him every week because he does the job yeah you know, he goes hard um, he's aggressive comes to out of the line like when he meets to Stevie Matai like he's he's just really he's a really solid player obviously last week he was a bit disappointed with a couple of things but they'll learn from that you know I mean they're they're kids that haven't played for him before but he has been honestly he's he's been one of of the best each week and he just for a young kid he's just impressed me every week and got better every week so I'm excited to see how he responds with that with that experience from last week Um, but he's a great young player I really I'm really excited to see that
2: so that's tonight Steve. Uh, tomorrow of course is the second of the semi-final or playoff games There's such, sudden death playoff games. Uh, Panthers against the Eels now the Panthers uh, didn't expect to find themselves in this situation. They probably thought they were going to have their feet up this week but not the case. Desperate times for them. How do you see this one going?
5: Yeah look the Eels got through they're sort of on a bit of a roll but I think, I think the Panthers they're a little bit off last week. They just didn't get into their groove and they were sort of um, just sort of a little bit rattled by by the way Souths and their intensity. I, I think the Panthers, off the back of a Cleary kicking game, really good kicking game, and they'll just go off a notch. And I'm expecting them to be too good, because at their best, they are. At their best, they, I think they're the best team in the comp when they're, when they're throwing the football around. But they've got to earn the right to do that. They just, like we said, they've got to win that little rush, get moving forward, and then... Um, and they've got so much talent across across the park. Uh, I think they'll be too strong in saying that. I come last in my family tipping competitions. <laughs> so, so don't hold me to that one. But I'm, I'm expecting Penner with that experience to, to, to get back in the groove and, and win tomorrow.
2: Well, if you've come last in your tipping competition, you can't have had much space in the Storm over the last uh, 26 weeks because they've been unbelievable. Steve, uh, what do you look at and what do you admire about uh, this Melbourne Storm franchise and the way Bellamy's got them going time after time?
5: Yeah, look, they've done it for years. And when I, when I played in 2007, 2008, they were the, the best team in the comp round. And they just keep... The way, that, the way Bellamy and the team structures and... Self beliefs and disciplines, and the way they bring players in and from, well, who's this guy, who's that guy? He's one of the, you know, they're, they're just machines. Um, and then they lose, you know, Billy, Cameron Smith, they lose all these guys, English, and then you just throw in Pappenhausen, and they've the, probably arguably the two best hookers in the comp at the one club, and they just, you know, Nick out Hines. they've just got all these players that. They put in there, just do their job, uh, and it's just a, a, an amazing machine. To, uh, the way they can keep doing it um, is phenomenal. It, it, it really is, at this level, to, to stay so close to the top for so long, um, you, know, you, you, can't, you can't do anything but admire what they, what they produce.
2: Steve, anyone that remembers Steve Menzies playing, Steve Menzies playing will of course remember Steve Menzies in the headgear. Uh, are you surprised now? Uh, you know, with the with the attention to the head area, etc., et more players don't wear headgear, and uh, this time, particularly with the concussion issues, as such.
5: Yeah, look a little bit. I, I think there's you know some better products out there than the thing that I old, actually look at things that I used to wear. But uh, yeah, look, it does a little bit. You see, the kids these days, the majority of kids these days, you know, junior footy are wearing headgear. Um but you I think it's just because they the, you yeah, know adults they understand you know the the more research and stuff that we do but it's i think it's it 's something you need to get used to wearing the headgear it's it's so when I first started wearing that eight I just put it on thirty seconds into the game, the other seven threw it off because <laughs> i can 't wear anything <laughs> in my head it's, it's it's, it's, it's something you need to get used to and i Left it on next week, grab my boots, now Go have got headgear. It was just part of my... So we will see that in the future when kids are used to wearing it. You know, you go to, you know, whether it be at under 10s, 12s, 14s, a lot of the kids are wearing it. Uh, and as they sort of come through, it's, it's sometimes really hard to change old habits. Um, you know, even though I think it's a good idea, and I think in the future you'll definitely see more and more wearing it.
2: Well, Steve, you, you're, one of your great legacies is uh, your longevity in the game. Um, you know, so many games, so so many franchises, so many clubs around the world, internationally as well. Do you, do you think, in your uh, looking back on that, that headgear guarantee you extra longevity? Do you feel
5: it, it's hard to say? You know, it, it's what and people always say. Well, why did you play this so long? What's the and it's, and it's a bit of luck, and it's, a, it's a bit of good genetics, not getting injured. Uh, it, it's a, it's a bit about love of the game, and you know, I would have. I would have played for nothing. You know, I just love playing rugby league. And it's, um, that's got to excite you every day to go to training because it can be a difficult job sometimes 24-7. So there's all different factors. Um headgear, I'd like to think it helped me, but it, 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 it's, hard to, it's hard to really know. Um, but it's, it made me look good on the field. What do, you, what do you think? The headgear It made me look attractive on the field. That's important. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think it did. No, I, I mean, I knew you. I knew you. I didn't need you. Didn't need a number on your shirt for me. I knew exactly who you were. <laughs> well, I've seen I've seen footage
5: of of base so. I've got this footage of you scoring a try, and there's one game I never wore headgear. I, I, I started in the Sanders against Parramatta years ago, and I didn't wear headgear. I think it sort of a you knockout. This guy showed me a, a a video of me scoring a try in the corner. I said, mate, that's. I said, you get the wrong guy. That's not me. I had to watch it four times to realise it wasn't me scoring the try because I looked so weird without headgear.
2: <laughs> hey, one of the great things uh, I think about rugby league is that through all this uh, pandemic era, uh, it's persevered. Peter Valandis and the people that he's got around, I think, have done a, a sterling job uh, keeping it uh, up front and centre and giving us something to really enjoy. Have you been amazed at the resilience of how uh, the NRL, at such, has been able to soldier through all the barriers they've come up against?
5: Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm, with you. I think the has done an amazing job, and the NRL everyone there at um, Andrew Abdo and all the the, the the people at the NRL. And when they made that big call, when it the hut last year, they said we're going to bring the game back. You now I think everyone sort of went, uh, had reservations because no sports in the world like everyone was literally but couldn't play and, and they got their protocols and said this is what we want to do and went to the government and, and got it up and running and I think it has been phenomenal and I think that you know, during this most recent lockdown for us it's <clears throat> because everyone's at home and working and you're going oh and you can't really get out and then you start oh, when's the footy on when it when, watch when the NRL start like as in Thursday Friday I've never watched much, so much footy in my life you know it, it's really been yeah, uh, a huge boost to you know, people's mental health to, to get through this you know, tough time. Some people have been locked down for like 10 weeks, like in Sydney. It, it's been tough. Um, so I think the NRL has done an amazing job and it's, it's helped so much of the community that, that follows the game to have that release and, and that bit of normality um, to, watch, to watch footy on the weekends.
2: Uh, Stephen Menzies, um, before you go, I've got to ask you this. We've, we've got this bloke who, who run, works on uh, our drive show here on SENZ New Zealand called Stephen Donald. not even sure you've heard about him. Uh, kicked an inconsequential sort of goal in a World Cup rugby final to win it for us, 8-7 against France, and has been known nationwide. I mean, I've even had a movie and a book about one kick, for God's sake, but his nickname is Beaver. So is yours. Uh, why did you get the nickname Beaver? And uh, make it impressive because I think there's only one room for one beaver in the Southern Hemisphere. So own it, please.
5: All right. Well, mine's a bit of a crap story. So I got mine from an American sitcom from Leave It to Beaver, called Leave It to Beaver. It it was on in Australia, and this little character had freckles and a bit of a bowl haircut, and I looked a bit like him. And my first footy coach just went, you look like beaver. Since I've had it since I was eight, which was early 1980s, so if I was there first other beaver, tell him I'm the original.
2: Okay, we will do that. We will do that. Uh, thank you very much, too, for your time this morning. Hey, hey, for your sake, hope Manly go well tonight, but I know that you'll enjoy it anyway, uh, the, footy, the footy man that you are. Hey, brilliant, absolutely brilliant for giving us some time this morning. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, stay no, safe. No. Go well.
5: Cheers, boys.
2: Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Stephen, the Beaver Menzies, shall we say. The Beaver. John Day, are you happy now? Are you happy?
1: Yeah, well, I just thought, you know, Manly are playing tonight. Who can we get on to talk about the rugby league? Oh, Why not go to Stephen Beaver Menzies? And I have embarrassed myself in front of him before. I got to meet him about eight years ago. He came to my old workplace, The Rock, um, and he was promoting the uh, Auckland Nines. He was working for the NRL, and I knew he was coming in, so... Uh, I actually did something that I'm very embarrassed about, Smithy. I actually bought in my Manly Seagulls cards collection and got him to sign my Stephen Menzies card for me. And uh, I was very embarrassed walking up to him and going, oh, God, I feel like a seven-year-old here, but I'm actually 35. Can you sign this for me, Beaver? And he was like, no worries, mate. Very good. And even when I messaged him last night to come on the show, he said, sweet as. So, yeah, sometimes you got to do some things to embarrass yourself, Smithy.
2: Well, we've already done a lot of interviews uh, in the nine weeks we've been going on the show, but can I just say, I've never seen you with a, a smile for the whole 20-odd minutes that it lasted like you have with that one. So uh, for Stephen Menzies, um, thank you very much for making John Day happy, at least, uh, and good luck with Manly tonight. It's 10.19 here on SENZ. Voice of Sport in New Zealand.
1: <laughs> Nothing gets past Smithy. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big
0: talk, big opinions. The panel. Talk,
6: talk, talk to me, yeah.
2: Returning guests this morning on the panel. Very pleased to say Nathan Raddari is back with us, of course, and uh, Jamie Wall uh, also. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk uh, some a variety of subjects this morning. We'll chuck a, a bit of rugger in, but uh, I want to start with you, uh, Nathan, if I can possibly. The netballers get priority, they get released out of Auckland and off they go tonight to Christchurch. Are you in total agreement with that?
7: Yeah, I, um, so I asked Grant Robertson about that on Wednesday um, and he, what he was saying was this is uh, part of the Ministry Business, Innovation and Employment um, because England have come in from overseas, they've gone through all their MIQs to get there and um, do that, right? So what they're saying is that is a business that's going to make money for New Zealand or promotion. So that's why they uh, granted the release that that goes through Stuart Nash. Whereas I know with some of the NPC teams who filled out their forms maybe a little differently than they were supposed to, I think that's why it's tougher for them because it's not through the same thing. I'm in favour of the netballers travelling only because there's a very, very small amount of them. They know that this has been coming up so they've had protocols to go through. And I think that I mean, right now, I mean, I'm in Level 4 Auckland, mate. I don't want you guys to go back into Level 4 out of here again. I mean, this is hanging around like a Kiwi that showed up to a flat in London to stay for the weekend and is still here like three months later. So I'm satisfied, Smithy, that I think they've gone through their pro- protocols well enough to go and join those firms.
2: Jamie, what's your take on it?
8: Yeah, kia ora, Smithy, and kia ora, Nate. Um, I think someone at <clears throat> Nepal, in New Zealand... Uh, has done their job properly, and someone at New Zealand Rugby hasn't, and that's what it comes <laughs> down to, uh, really. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, and I think maybe a phone call needs to be made from one to the other to perhaps <laughs> get the message across on on what they what they should have done. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have a problem with it. Like Nate said, I mean, as long as it's all uh, done within the right protocols and they're tested and they're vaccinated, then yeah, it's it's not really an issue uh, for me. Um, it just seems like someone understood what was what was happening, and and it goes all the way back to the MIQ spots. The whole reason England are here is because Netball New Zealand um, thought ahead way back at the start of the year and booked those in no matter what, yeah. because they had a they they had a feeling that this might happen again, and that's why they're here. and That's why this game is the series is going to be going ahead.
2: Nathan, is the scope then? Um, you know, you talked about small numbers, and you know it's controlled. Uh, and it's been done the right way. Is there scope uh, for other aspects of life now? One, one of the great things we, we hear about uh, predominantly is, is people not being able to get to funerals, not being able to get to sick loved ones and things. Is there, is there scope for that now?
7: Not until we get our vaccination numbers up high enough. Um, and, and, and it's hard to pin them down on a number because whenever you do ask, I know what they say is, if we say our target is 85%, that's going to put people who aren't sure they want to get vaccinated to go, well, I'll just be one of the 15 and the other 85% can do the heavy lifting. Like, we need to be as near a, near 100 as we can. So, I, I, well, look, we've got really encouraging numbers. In six weeks' time, we're going to have three-quarters of us vaccinated fully, which is amazing, right? This rollout, there's enough that's mm. arrived. We've all gone in and done them. And that's when we... Like this, this is the chance with Delta to get our freedoms back and do like we we did last year. When gosh, I I got to say, Smitty, that um, the the Blues Hurricanes game uh, last year when we got out of that lockdown, going to that was electric that day. The good news, it was just people were happy to see faces, and I think um, Mm. it's kind of heading somewhere similar to that. But I don't think anyway. Sorry, what I mean is I don't think it's safe right now like, we don't have our vulnerable protected, We've still got, you know, plenty of people who can't go and get a vaccine because they've got things, you know, they're going through chemo or other sorts of treatments and they can't be protected. So it's our job, the rest of us, to try and protect them. And the best way we can do it is it's a clever virus, but it doesn't have legs or a driver's license. So they can't travel around Without us, so I guess my short answer for that big, long, waffly one I gave you uh, right now was, no, nah, no, nah, I, I, I just don't think it's, I, I don't think we safely can unless, you know, it's under massive controls just at the moment, but we're not too far away. Sorry, Jamie, Jamie can I we'll just the... your time, airtime, bro? <laughs> no, 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 you're all right, money. mate, no, I was, I
8: was listening to that. No, oh, that's fine. No, you you got
2: you got plenty coming up, Jamie. After the news shortly, but in the in the interim before we go to that, Jamie, uh, I think it's great news that we're going to get Joe Parker back in the ring because I, I really didn't think Evander Holyfield worked worked too well, did it? Uh yeah. Well, I mean, anything would be a step
8: up from from that debacle. It was really sad uh, watching that uh, the other day. I mean, I was a big uh, fan of of his during the nineteen nineties. I think uh Tyson Hollyfield one is one of the one of the best heavyweight fights you'll ever see, and uh, to see him come out and be in that sort of state was was terrible. Uh, I listened to Joe Parker, I think it was yesterday on the and breakfast, and uh he sounded sounded great, sounded confident sounded a cool uh and I think he 's just a guy that New Zealand wants to see doing well again um and I think this is a really good match up for him against uh, Chisora. and just the way that the heavyweight picture is set up at the moment um a decent win here could put him right back up into a into a title fight uh just because there's so many moving parts going on at the moment you know like not that long ago we were all thinking that joshua and wilder was going to be the the biggest fight of all time um and all it took was was a couple was a couple of results for them to not go their way and then all of a sudden we're talking about fury and and it's 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 a really interesting heavyweight picture at the moment and joe
2: has a place there that uh he could he could play a part in 10 30 here on scnz uh, nathan and jamie if you could stay with us uh, for a little while after the break i'd be very happy about that because we need to talk about the all blacks of course with what's coming up but tomorrow night uh here's trudy with the news
3: the all-new scnz is kiwi for sport
4: guys, making SENZ news this hour. Children are believed to be among the victims of a triple homicide in Timaru. Police launched an investigation after emergency services were called to the Queen Street property shortly after 10 last night. When they arrived, they found three people dead. Surf lifesavers hunting for a missing family on a remote Waikato beach have found items that they've passed on to police. Tom Phillips and his three young kids have not been seen since last Saturday in Marokopa, west of Tekuiti. Phillips' ute was found below the tide line and an intense search in the Kireteheri and Marokopa area has been underway since Monday. And British presenter Piers Morgan will join News Corp and Fox News Media and host a regular TV show that will air down under. News Corp executive chair Rupert Murdoch said the 56 year old is the broadcaster every channel wants but is too afraid to hire. SENZ radio.nz sport coming
2: up.
0: Talk, the opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me,
6: yeah.
2: 10.33 here on SENZ, part two of the panel with uh, Nathan Rariri this morning and uh, Jamie Wall. Uh, Nathan, please, uh, what are you looking for uh, to get out of this test match tomorrow uh, night, the uh, All Blacks uh, against the Pumas? Uh, a whole lot of raft of changes. I don't think that was unexpected. So what are you looking for? What are you, what are you uh, looking at in particular?
7: I want to see um, outstanding and sparkling. First of all, I want us to win. And I think Argentina showed us last year they're, they're legitimate, right, if you don't take them properly. So we, we've got that. But I want to see um, George Bridge and Terrell Lomax. Those those will be the two I'm looking at. Probably Hoskins-Satutu as well, because it seems like Hoskins lost his place in that starting loose forward trio. Um, and George Bridge is just up against electric wingers at the moment. And sometimes when I see him get the ball, I'm thinking he looks like a 400-meter runner rather than a 100-meter runner. So I'd like to see a bit more sparkling and some magic out of him. And the other is um, Tyrell Lomax. I mean, he, he started last year, had a terrible time against Taparo, who, who I know isn't there um, this year. But I'd like to see Tyrell or Tyrell Lomax just have a really strong anchoring game and that our scrum goes well and that we win. That's what I'm after out of those ones.
2: And um, Artie Savir, Artie Savier at seven, yes for you, Nathan. Yeah,
7: yeah, I love him at seven. I think it's, uh, that's my favourite position of his. I know Dalton's been playing incredibly, but I have never have any problem when I've got Artie at seven, or just when he's on the field. And it's to, like not even just his, um, you know, work at the ruck right time. That that guy who just refuses to be tackled, like when you'd play at lunchtime at school, and there was always that one kid that made that down when he was running, and that's what Jamie Wall used to do out on the field at lunchtime, when he's running with the ball and you can't tackle them, like, that's, you know what I mean, like, Artie's got that about him, so I, I think he's super important for our go-for, but I love him at seven, Smitty, I think, um, he'd be my starting seven if I was choosing the team.
2: Well, I can tell you, 59 years ago, Nathan at Rariri, that was Billy Osborne at my school, Carlton School, among <laughs> me, A- impossible, <laughs> <laughs> impossible, you know bull like- rush, <laughs> yeah, bull rush, <laughs> well rush okay billy okay billy good luck yeah uh, uh Jamie Jamie what, are you, what Jamie you you speaks to you Jamie what are you um what are you what are you personally looking at uh from this All Black performance and can you give us a prediction too on how do you think uh, Springboks might go this time around ah uh, yeah I, I don't I don't know what Nate was uh,
8: was watching I was definitely not that that kind of player I can tell you that much but um <laughs> Was, um, I'm, a- I'm honest on, on, honestly, this this game, I just want to see them get it over and done with, and no one important get hurt, because uh, really this, this game doesn't really mean much, and the most important part of the All Black season is in the next two weeks, uh, against the Springboks. So I mean if there's a couple of players, I'd be keen to see do well it's Quintiplier and Tupovi, because you know mm-hmm. they could potentially be big parts of this team going forward. Um, into the next World Cup and beyond because they're so young. Uh, And, you know, if they can really cement a place now, we're looking at years and years of good rugby out of those guys. So that's something I'll be keeping an eye on. Um, As far as the Springboks go, like, I can completely see it being a very similar game um, to last week because I thought they were going to come over to the Rugby Championship with kind of like another style of game that they were going to bust out. Um, you know, like they had their way of beating this, the Lions, which was just to bore them into submission. And then they might revert back to the quite exciting team that we saw in 2018 uh, when they came over here and beat the All Blacks in, in Wellington. Um, I haven't seen that yet. Maybe they're saving that right up until they actually play the All Blacks because they know it's such a big game. So uh, the Wallabies team's now got their tails up. So I could, I could. but also with the Wallabies is that all their big wins, like this is going back years now seem to come down to like a kick on the last play of the game and that game that 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 kick by quade was just one of many that they've managed it's, a tw- it's the second time they've done it this season because uh, they won a series against france by doing that so um it's probably going to be very close again I'll, I'll put it that way but uh looking forward to watching them play in front of a big crowd at, at Suncorp now that their hometown boy quade well our hometown boy quade uh is going to be in front <laughs> of his, his uh his queensland crowd <laughs>
2: Uh, Jamie, uh, I know um, you've been looking into this, I, I think. Uh, is Silver Lake done and dusted, or is it still a go for the rugby union?
8: Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up because a really interesting uh, article came out last night by Dylan Cleaver um, called Silver Lake, the NZ stake in the media, a cautionary tale. And it's on Dylan's um, own personal Substack that he started out. If you People out there don't know, Substack's is kind of like a daily newsletter that... that the, gets put out and you can subscribe to it gets emailed to you and uh he's had a really deep dive into silver lake and the goings-on behind it and a lot of stuff that hasn't been said up until now including like the relationship between mark robinson and the uh the silver lake people um and also how uh nzr has been trying to use the media in order to kind of get their point across and you know for the average layman might seem a little bit of a stretch, but if you're really into like uh, the media and rugby, this is awesome. <laughs> like what he's gone because he's really hit the nuke button on his former employers at the New Zealand Herald. And I'll just read you a bit right now. He says, um, when he was at the Herald, extraordinary measures were taken to avoid offending NZR, an organisation that has an extraordinarily low bar for taking offence. A co- colleague was leaked a critical source document about Silver Lake. And before he'd even hit the first keystroke on the story, he was contacted by the NZR Communications Department, asking if he wanted, quote, help with what he was writing. Now, that, to me, knowing what I know about this whole setup, is it just, is fascinating, um, because it just confirms a lot of what we, we already thought we knew. And it really says that a lot of what's being said about Silver Lake has be taken with a massive grain of salt. So yeah, I, I would highly recommend uh, looking into um, Dylan's substack that he's put out. It's called The Bounce. Um, so if you want to <clears throat> look that up, it's, it's definitely worth um, subscribing to. So well done to Dylan for that because it's, it's, it's kind of pushed that story off in quite a new, interesting direction. And what
2: he said in here could affect the deal the going forward. Well, Nathan Rurie, I've been asking people who particularly are in level four, uh, and we know that you are, uh, about what you are dreaming about uh, in terms of your diet or affecting your diet uh, as soon as you get to level three and you can order something that's not in the pantry. Um, now, we've had a mixture so far, uh, and I want you to yeah. get bacon, the smell of bacon, out of your head at this point because oh. I know that drives a lot of what you do in life. What What are you looking forward to? <laughs>
7: I'm going to have that on my gravestone. Bacon drove a lot of what he did in his life. (laughs) That would be awesome. Oh, mate, I'm just looking forward to just not cooking. It's something that, and I'm trying to figure how lazy, do I want to be lazy enough to have to phone the place and walk in and get it, or just keep my fat ass in my car as I drive up (laughs) and talk out a window to water into a little thing? I think it's that. I think I was talking with the girls yesterday. We were playing dream draft, you know, like how you draft NFL uh, fantasy football. So we drafted burgers from Burgerfield, fries from uh, Wendy's, and we drafted the frozen Cokes from McDonald's. That's what we went for. So me, me and my daughters, uh, we'll go for the drive. We'll do that, Smithy. It's trickle down um, economics right along Lincoln Road here in, <laughs> in Wentworth <Westall> when <laughs> that happens. But I'm telling you, the last time this happened, the, the 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 traffic jam to get into Lincoln Road was incredible. And you know how, like, TVNZ and TV3 love to send out those poor reporters to stand there and be like, yes, well, I'm here at the Bombay Hills and there's this many trucks. Those little buggers are going to be out there, all the junior Junos. They're going to be up and down Lincoln Road having to count the amount of cars and Mazda Bongo vans waiting to turn into things. Because I'll be there in the RAV. So uh, add, <laughs> add that to me, I'll be there for sure. But that's what I'm going for.
2: Oh. Look out! You've been warned, Jamie. Jamie War, What about you? I have to say, Smith. This has been absolute
8: torture all week listening to you guys talking about fast food and stuff. Um, I <laughs> I live within I live within walking distance of Greyland Kebab Shop and Great North Road McDonald's. Um, I've both been a, oh. a very loyal, loyal patron of both, um, so they'll be getting my business uh, pretty soon as soon as lockdown. Um, finishes, and I'm sure I'll wash them down with a delicious Steinlager pure. Uh, sounds like Nate may have had a few last night, so you know, I think uh, I think I think once we get out of this, we're going to have a have a have a decent little celebration.
2: <laughs> Good on you, boys! Absolutely fantastic, uh, Jamie Wool, well, Nathan of course. Uh, their thoughts on a, a a veritable smorgasbord. There's another calorie term that will probably you off a wee bit too. A nice smorgasbord of sport this morning. Uh, thanks very much, fellas, uh, and uh, hope to catch up with you again shortly. Uh, maybe in person too one day. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, 10.42 here on SENZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's
1: Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.48
2: and before 11, we'll talk to uh, Louis Herman Watt uh, in terms of uh, the racing coming up. Today at Telpo, actually, the racing, the Gallops-wise, Uh, And then, of course, uh, the big one tomorrow at Hastings Racing, also at Rickerton. Uh, Then after 11, in terms of the harness racing industry, of course, we'll be catching up with uh, Michael Guerin, who will have plenty of information coming through on what's happening in that industry as well. Um, Cricketing news. We might uh, try and get a cricket guest after 11 o'clock. There's a little bit to talk about. The White Ferns, John, losing overnight. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, This is the form of the game they have to be good at too, improve at. Uh, The T20s were... OK, they were important in terms of getting some confidence and some form, but let's not forget that the one-day uh, internationals are where the World Cup is at uh, after Christmas here in New Zealand. So they have to be winning those. Uh, and they got knocked over last night. England uh, getting 241, pretty respectable, um, with uh, Jess Kirk getting 3 for 42. Amy Sathwaite led the run chase with uh, 79 not out. Sophie Devine 34, but not much from anywhere else, uh, and lost um, really by 30 runs, never really got close.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a damn shame. Just when you think they're maybe on the improve, they put in another performance that you think, oh, God, it's just a flaky top six, really. Like, there's only ever one who really does the job and the rest kind of fall around. And when wickets fall, they fall in clumps. They don't seem to get a, a good start right at the top. Um, so, yeah, the pressure will be on because, man, a home World Cup, you've got to perform well. And at the moment, uh, it looks like they ugh, scrape into the semifinals at best, so it would be good to uh, talk to someone about cricket. And also we've got an ODI tonight. Smithy, SENZ is your home for cricket. And we've got live commentary tonight.
2: Yeah, tell us a wee bit about that because uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure how they're going to go about that. Uh, and I know we've got the whole series uh, and from um, from Pakistan, but uh, are they going to go about it, uh, calling it, let me think, off uh, the tube and working through ball by ball? Or are they going to do... A lot of analysis around it. Hey, do you know, have any idea on the style? Because I'm looking forward to listening. Yeah, pretty sure they're going ball by ball. It's our Wellington team. Uh, of
1: course, Auckland's in lockdown, but we've got a great crew in Wellington. Grant Elliott, Daniel McCarty is a great commentator. I think they've got some guests coming in. Uh, Petri Dish, Richard Petri, uh, I think is going to be part of the team down there in Wellington. I'm pretty sure it's ball by ball, Smithy. So that's pretty cool, I reckon. Overnight cricket's from 9.30 tonight, and it will go all night and every single one day up there in Pakistan.
2: I can tell you a little bit about Richard Petrie. He, I was uh, on a tour with him uh, to Australia, and in his very first one-day international, he was bowling to Alan Border, uh, and Alan Border's a fair player, as you can imagine, and uh, he was the man of Australian cricket at the time, but what wasn't good enough for Richard Petrie. Richard Petrie beat him on a couple of occasions, because uh, the, the, the novelty of having, uh, um, you know, first up, being fresh and having been seen before, uh, and he, he, he got past Alan Border on a couple of occasions and he gave it to Alan Border. Gave it to Alan Border, big time old peaches. And Alan Border just simply turned around to us who we were fielding behind the wicket and he said, What the hell have you brought over this time? <laughs> that was the end of that. 10.51 here on SENZ.
1: Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
0: The LoveRacing.nz update, your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. <laughs> yo, 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 welcome to the takeover. DJ Louis Herman, what can I get a hey-oh? Hey-oh. hey or hey or hey, Stings? Let's go, Group One Season Smithy, turn it up. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely
2: fantastic that is uh, um, oh look man i'm i'm toasting you this afternoon on that brother that was absolutely brilliant i challenged you and you came through louis herman what courtesy of loveracing.nz absolutely fantastic Uh, i'm looking at tomorrow's i'm looking out the window there's a break in the weather it's uh, i'm not sure that the damage hasn't been done though because we copped a lot yesterday louis but i'm looking at the market i'm looking at spring tide at tens now
0: yeah, look, breaking the weather, you're bang on, Smithy, so it looks like there might be a slight reprieve. All those trainers I've been ringing around today, they all say, oh, what's the weather doing? What's the weather doing? Hopefully it holds to a slow seven, maybe eight at a stretch. That would be good. If it gets to heavy range, it won't be a great spectacle, let's say that. It'll still be Group 1 racing, but let's hope it holds and slow. I'm with Avantage. I'm not throwing the race, the great nine times Group 1 winner out with the bathwater. I'm sticking with her, but there's great race across the card I wish I win in Imperatriz the Tiakau Multi feels very 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 hard to knock off shock we're saying that it's not bias it's just they just produce odds on pops that seem to run really close Smithy they're racing at Taupo today though and there's one mm, yeah. there's one that I like in the six. It's a very, very good horse, Moana, for Chad Ormsby. It's run behind some proper horses, including Brando. It's run some in its last preparation, Amaralina as well. You're getting Barrier 8, Vinnie Colgan up. It's $5 into $4.80. It's $4.80, $1.70 right now. I think you could build your bank with that this weekend. It is race number six, number two, Moana for Chad Ormsby. Vinnie Colgan doing the riding.
2: And, and I can t- I, Carla just texted in as well. Uh, Louis, you might be interested in this one. Amethusia. Uh Amethusia is uh, in race two, uh, ridden by uh, Lisa Albrecht. Uh, Lisa Alpress, it's number one in the book. Uh, it'll, it's got a, ten, a barrier draw of ten, but that's not a bad thing coming wide on that, that turn at uh, Tapia because agree, of agree. Off, uh, the camber. The camber coming round, you come down off that hill, so Bang might on. not be such a bad thing? So keep an eye on that, Lisa Allpress, uh for Lisa Allpress for Bryce Newman. Uh, have a wonderful weekend, Louie. Uh, I hope you enjoy uh, Group 1 racing back at its best. Uh, straight across to the TAB, Paul Mowati. Winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa.
1: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh,
2: Michael Guerin will be coming to us uh, later in the hour to talk about uh, all things harness. Uh, pacing for purpose was not a good look last night. Uh, $100 on Obsession. Uh, Ran about fourth, a fairly passive sort of a fourth. I'm not overly thrilled with the drive, and I'm not quite sure whether the horse was good enough. Michael Guerin uh, will run his microscope over that bet for us and just see what he thought of that run, because I'm pretty sure he would have been watching. And in terms of pretty sure, uh, I'm pretty sure that we have got the ball-by-ball rights. Albie has texted and say, are you sure it's official ball-by-ball commentary of cricket by SENZ? Well, I think I heard Ricardo mention you don't technically have the rights, so we'll sort It would be a watch along and talk. I may have heard it wrong. Anyway, we'll be listening. Now, John, you've got an update on that. I certainly do, Smithy.
1: And thanks, Elby, for the text. Um, We love interacting with our listeners. And we do have ball by ball. I've just called upstairs, literally upstairs, where our operations manager, B-Man, sits. And I gave him a call. I was like, B-Man, surely we've got ball by ball. And he said... Yes, yes, John Day, we do. And so I can say that to you now, Smithy, and to all our listeners, from 9.30 tonight, we will have ball-by-ball commentary of the Black Caps against Pakistan in an ODI series, Smithy, that doesn't really mean a hell of a lot, but great to have some more experience, I guess, for some of our cricketers who don't normally get a shot, and some of them who are just starting out, guys like Rachin Ravindra and Finn Allen.
2: Oh, no, it's hugely important for them. Uh, and they will not uh, take anything out of the fact that uh, it means nothing in terms of the stats going forward to the next World Cup one of the reasons of not of course John it isn't is because there is no DRS uh, local umpires etc uh, so uh, New Zealand have said well without that system how can we uh, make it uh, count when all the other games around the world will be part, will be played under that system so uh, I can understand that uh, it's a bit of a shame really because I I, I think when you, you spend so much money you make such a commitment every game you play should mean something uh, and so I, I really I kind of feel it's a little bit hollow, but having said that, I do understand where they're coming from uh, on that one. Hugely important for those young guys, really is, uh, to come up against the Pakistan side, and it's historical, this series as well. Let's not forget, we touched on it earlier in the week, how long it's been, Uh, and it would be huge if they were able to get some victories, because it is almost impossible, it has been over the years for New Zealand sides, to pick up victories on Pakistan soil. It's been a while, so uh, none of these guys were there last time around when it um, you know, when it came to the crunch, and it was a crunch. Uh, uh, so they're, they're going there fresh. They haven't got playing memories over there. Uh, but I can tell you uh, from uh, back in the 80s or 70s, actually, 70s through the 80s, all the way through, it is one country that has been very, very tough for us to go to, very tough for us to beat. Not forgetting, of course, when they come here, they also were a thorn in our side. Our 1992 World Cup final, it was Pakistan that knocked us out uh, when everything looked to be going so well. But uh, they have always been tough for us. Pakistan cricket side is not like the Bangladesh cricket side. Uh, This cricket side have a very good pace attack. Very good pace attack. They thrive on pace bowling. They know how to swing it. They're very, very good at white ball cricket in terms of line and length and bowling at the death. They're heady cricketers. And on top of that, they have one of the the most potent batting line-ups in the world, particularly in their own conditions. This will be the challenge of all challenges. So for that reason... Uh, I find it extremely important for the side to do well uh, and to get something out of it, get some confidence out of it. But if I was a betting man, uh, we wouldn't be chucking a whole heap on New Zealand first up. Not first up tonight, John. Yeah,
1: fair enough too. Uh, Yeah, getting used to the conditions. It's going to be so different from Bangladesh, isn't it? When we saw, you know, uh, six runs and over in a T20 was a great score. Like getting a runner ball in Bangladesh was a great score. So from your memory, Smithy, Rahul Pindi, I think they're playing tonight. So Mm. what are conditions like in Pakistan? What kind of score are we thinking for a 50 over match?
2: Played in Rahul Pindi uh, a long time ago, John. I think 1984, played in Rahul Pindi. And I'm just trying to think who the uh, president of Pakistan was at the time, um, and it'll come to me very shortly, but he came to the ground, he came to the ground, uh, and of course um, we had to stop the game, uh, we had to stop the game because uh, he's more important than cricket over there, and uh, we stopped the game sort of halfway through, and it was General, General Zeal Ohak, General Zia-ul-Haq. Uh, he's since died, he was blown up in a plane, uh, in a terrorist attack, so it um, wasn't a good omen meeting us, but... Uh, Having said that, here's the thing, Uh, he he came to the ground and he was, he he had eyes, his eyes, ghostly eyes, looked straight into you and it was a two-handed handshake, one of those where he grabbed your hand with both hands, two-handed, looked straight in your eyes, man, it was scary, it was frightening. So uh, a very powerful man, uh, but a very volatile country in in that respect. So I have played in Raupundi, getting back to that point, and we didn't win, Uh, we never did uh, during that tour, or subsequent ones either. Uh, But, uh, of course, Royal Pindi is the home of Shob Akhtar, the Royal Pindi Express. And that tells you that uh, there'll be some pace in the wicket if it's true to form.
1: Yeah, I hope Colin de Gronholm finds it more to his liking because his style of play doesn't work in Bangladesh conditions, does it? So we're expecting him to get another chance without his mullet this time at number six. Can Colin de Gronholm come good? Can he come good, Smithy?
2: Well, he actually plays pretty well against Pakistan. Remember when he first came into the New Zealand Test side? They gave him the ball, he got six wickets. And then he got runs against them as well. He had a heck of a series there. And that was the making of Colin de Grandhomme. So if he can draw on that, if his memory is good enough to go that far back, he can say, yeah, well, at least I've got confidence against this side, not in Pakistan conditions. But it's very important for him this, because there are some very, very handy all-rounders developing around New Zealand cricket. And I've got huge respect for Daryl Mitchell. Every time Daryl Mitchell has been given an opportunity, he has basically delivered. He has basically come up with the goods and done the job that Gavin Larson, uh, Gary Stead, and whoever's been captain have asked for. He's a, he's a go-to guy. He's a dollars-and-cents cricketer for me, uh, and Colin de Grandhomme at the moment is far from that. So if they do give him the opportunity, um, then he should grab it. He really has to grab it. No excuse about turning wickets and, and exploding spinning conditions. Uh, he's going to find have to find a way in a, a form of the game, which he's been pretty good at, uh, to come good. Make or break for Colin de Gronheim, I feel.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. And Tom Blundell's got injured, so Daryl Mitchell is coming into the side. He's not available for tonight, has to do his quarantine, but will be available for game two and three. So there's that pressure as well on CDG, knowing that Daryl Mitchell's now in the squad, and if he doesn't perform, he can be dropped now. So there's that added pressure.
2: Yeah, and the other thing about uh, Tom Blundell, of course, is that, uh, looking further down the track, uh, is that he who will be our test wicketkeeper. And we've got a couple of very important test matches against India coming up before the end of the year too. Uh, they've been hanging out there. Ross Taylor has been waiting for that opportunity, not going on any of this white ball stuff. Uh, so he will be in there. And so they have to be very careful here with Tom Blundell because my understanding is it's a quadricep injury. Now, you think about the quadricep part of the leg, you think about the role of a wicketkeeper, the quadricep, is massively important. you have any issues at all about your quadricep, it affects the way you stand, uh, the way you spring off your feet, and it's so, in- uh, so integral into the way that you, your technique is with the gloves. So they have to be very careful about him. Uh, he has to stay around the group. They're saying he might be available. I wouldn't be mucking around with Tom Blundell. He now is a very important commodity to New Zealand Test cricket in particular. Uh, he has to stay around the group, of course, because he can't come home. They have designated MIQ spots and the All Blacks might run into this as well, we alluded to it earlier in the week, is that uh, you know he can't come home because there's not an MIQ spot available to him, I don't think, anyway. So he'll stay around, he'll get treatment from the physio, et cetera, within the group, so they'll be able to monitor his progress, uh, but they don't want to muck around with uh, Tom Blundell, uh, no. for me, anyway.
1: No, no, great call, and you'd know as well. Um, Verrett Coley's an interesting one, Smithy, um, mm. giving up a little bit of no. power with the Indian cricket team not uh, going to be the T20 captain after this next World Cup. And this is something maybe we've talked about in New Zealand cricket as well. Uh, is the burden too much for Kane Williamson? Will he have to give up one of the forms of the game? So Virat Kohli's doing it. I mean, if he's doing it, Smithy, then anyone can.
2: I'd like to talk to Mike Hesson about that. We maybe will next week about because he's also captain, of course, of Royal Challengers Bangalore. Uh, and he's got a huge responsibility there on the back of a massive paycheck. Uh, this is interesting for me because we all know how important to India T20 cricket is. And for them to be the world champions would be very, very good. They missed out on uh, the World Test Championship, of course. They were kicked out of the semifinals by us in the 50-over form of the game. So all of a sudden, uh, the emphasis goes on this one here for them to win it. Now, did we not say the other day uh, there was an interesting development within the squad uh, in that MS Dhoni has been brought into the squad as like a mentor? For the T20 World Cup sort. and at the time, did we not say that might prove a, a little difficult for uh, Virat Kohli uh, to absolutely command the dressing room with the presence of M. S. Dhoni in it? Maybe uh, the Indian Cricket Board or the selectors or whatever had Virat Kohli in mind to leave the leave that job anyway. Is this really Virat Kohli's choice to stand down, or did they know that and they threw with a, a, a younger captain, a newer captain? They threw Emmy Stoney in alongside him. Is that is that skullduggery? Am I uh, am I raking some proverbial muck here? Geez,
1: the BCCI will be on to you, Smithy. They'll be on to you, mate. Don't be muck raking about Indian cricket. You know who wins in the end.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, well, India win. Of course, they win in the end. Um, but they, they need to win on the field, John. And they uh, at the moment. And and Coley has said this. Considering my immense workload, and you cannot deny this, considering my immense workload over the last eight to nine years, playing all three formats and captaining regularly for the last five to six years, I feel I need to give myself space to be fully ready to lead the Indian team and test in one-day international cricket. Uh, that was what he posted on Twitter. So he's basically saying, it was my call, and uh, India, the Indian Cricket Board, will let him say that anyway, they'll give him that grace. I don't want to upset him because, still, uh, as a as a cricketing asset, he is he's the kingpin. It's, it's, so much of it re- revolves around here around him as well. So uh, we have to uh, we have to. Um, Respect his the judgement, but I, I, I do, but then I, I look behind the scenes because there's always something murmuring there.
1: Yeah, and Emi the godfather of Indian cricket, and when he comes in, surely he holds more sway. They just love him, the public over there. We've had an interesting text, Smithy. The stats of coach Bob Carter don't read well with the White Ferns. Well, Heidi Tiffins didn't either before him, uh, and she was ousted. Bob Carter's come in, same results overnight. They lost by 30 runs. That was made to look probably better than it actually was, because Leah Tahuhu at the tail end smacked 25 off 14 balls. But they were well beaten by England in the first ODI last night, Smithy and the White Ferns. We want them to get better. We're desperate for the home World Cup. Is Bob Carter the right guy? Is there an easy fix? Do you keep on changing coaches? How do you fix the White Ferns?
2: Yeah, well, that was interesting, that last partnership, because a wife and wife partnership, a spousal partnership uh, on the cricket field, because uh, uh, Amy Satterthwaite, of course, and who who are, are married, and, and uh, they've got a baby, uh, which is great. Um, but yeah, they were together, and it's a very rare occurrence, obviously, uh, in the world of sport. To be fair, um, yeah, look, they have to be better. They they have to be better. Uh, but they uh, they have to find it. They have to find more depth somehow in this. At least they should find depth. They should find depth by the cricket that they're being gifted here to play. Not many sides are overseas playing at the moment. They can. And so this is a, a real opportunity for them to do better. Yes, he will be, he'll be scratching his head a bit, Bob Carter, because he's tried a lot. He's tried a lot of combinations, and they haven't quite worked. Uh, he's got to be asking himself, am I doing things right? Have I got the right people around me? Um, have, I, have I really, um, you know, do I give our, our girls the best chance of winning? And that's what a coach always has to say. Am I giving them, when they walk across the white line, have I prepared them well enough to go out and win? If he can look in the mirror and say, yes, I am, I'm doing that on a daily basis. Then, of course, uh, he's got to look at the, the calibre of player that we've got and are they just not good enough to match it with those top two or three sides around the world. Every day uh, we look, uh, we ask a question about this. Uh, every day and every night we, we come up with an answer. At the moment, uh, it's fair to say that Bob Carter and the White Ferns have not been able to come up with the answer. Uh, but someone who does come up with the answer all the time is Michael Guerin, and he's with us very shortly.
1: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's
2: 11.21, yes, and this is a segment of the show I look forward to every uh, Friday because I always leave it very well informed. Uh, It is harness racing time, uh, courtesy of uh, hrnz.co.nz. Go there if you want to know anything uh, about the harness racing industry. Otherwise, listen to this bloke, Michael Guerin. Good morning to you.
9: And down your way, down on the bay, there's going to be a wet track, but the Group 1 racing returns for the Gallopers before we get on to the harness. Tomorrow for uh, for Tarzino Day, it's going to be a lot of fun for for those of us watching on TV because, unfortunately, Smithy, there might be many people on track.
2: No, it's true, and it's a great shame because uh, always this day has been designated as Daffodil Day 2, Michael, which means... Uh, they get a lot of money, they have in the past got a lot of money on track from uh, donations etc, from punters and uh, it's always been amazingly successful so uh, they're going to have to find that money from somewhere else, uh, the uh, Hawke's Bay Cancer Society, but they will uh, they're a very resolute bunch so uh, yeah, uh, harness racing this weekend mate, uh, they're racing tonight there's <coughs> 10 races at Addington uh, and then of course on Sunday, still down south they go <coughs> to Omaru but can I just take you back last night, uh, our pacing for purpose horse was obsession i saw the race we had 100 on the beak what happened
9: look not too bad she's only a two-year-old filly and she's still coming back smithy a lot of horses are coming back from from long breaks this time of year getting ready for the new season and she probably wasn't ready to really rough and tumble like be pushed around and and sort of you know really dig deep think about yourself if you've been for say three runs and you're training for a you know, a a race in three or four weeks' time. You're not really screwed down tight, whereas the horse who beat her, Ember, had been racing over the winter, so was fitter and was a bigger, stronger, older horse. So it was a case of a horse like Obsession who might be a better horse longer term, had only had the four starts or three starts for one win, whereas Ember had had four career wins. So very much your 25-year-old rough-and-tumble NPC player coming up against a fast young kid who's 18 years old, uh, sometimes that doesn't work out well for the fast young kid who's 18 years old.
2: Okay, Addington tonight, we'll put that one to bed. Addington uh, tonight, 10 races, and as I said, Omaru on Sunday, 10 races as well.
9: The the big dance is Omaru. It's great to have harness racing at the elite level go to the regions. They have a race called the Hannon Memorial. Now, it's one of the great races in Harness Racing Pre Cup. They have like six or seven pre New Zealand Cup lead up races. This is one of them. It's been won by horses like Monkey King and Bonnie's Chance and Blossom Lady over the years. So great horses win the Hannon Memorial. That's on Sunday. So the actual big bangers of Harness Racing Smithy you'll be heading there. And It brings together two separate pools of horses. The Canterbury horses are already up and racing. So horses like Classy Brigade, who's the horse to beat on Sunday, they're up and racing. But Southland horses, and Southland's an incredibly proud harness racing region, they joined the fray this week. They haven't been racing. They trialled last week in a trial won by a horse called vintage cheddar and then they they come on board. So we have the Southerners from the Deep South joining the Canterbury horses and then the Auckland horses start racing in a couple of weeks. So when you put them all together, Smithy, it's one of the real strengths of harness racing is the parochialism between the regions. And that starts on Sunday and that'll continue through to New Zealand Cup time. So real bonus for Omaru to have those horses from the deep south there. It goes three twenty uh, on Sunday, and the Southerners are headed by Vintage Cheddar and Pembroke Playboy, along with Robin's Playboy, so a lot of Playboys down there on the deep south. Whether they're fit enough to be classy brigade is probably doubtful.
2: Well, the market is uh, dominated by the two you've just mentioned, uh, Pembroke Playboy uh, with the Nathan Williamson connection, Classic Brigade uh, with the Dunn connection, and right down the bottom, or further down the road, Henry Hubert for for Tim Williams and, and Robert and
9: Jen had done. Yeah, he missed away last week, Henry Hubert. He's a horse who can win, but the problem with him on Sunday Smithy is vintage is good from a standing start. those so Pembroke Playboy, those so Classy Brigade. So lots of horses drawn down low are likely to step well. So even if he steps well, he's going to be wider on the track, and unless he makes a real flyer, he'll have to pull back inside those horses. So... These early season races, the horses who step well, get on the marker pegs and get the best run, it's crucial because horses aren't fit enough to be out racing hard and overcome the disadvantage of being behind horses at the start or even starting the last 800. So standing start, man, is absolutely crucial. That's Omeroo on Sunday, the road to the New Zealand Cup where... Some of the big names, including defending champion self-assured, are just starting to come back to the trials now. Uh, Addington tonight has some good races, but it's a little bit of a lower-class card because some of the bigger names are heading to Omburu. Um, horse in race two, called Sing to Me, has to be a really good chance tonight. For those who, who feel like having a responsible bet, Sing to Me. And the other person to follow tonight is Cran Dalgetty. Cran's had a relatively quiet start for the spring. He hasn't been lining up a lot of horses, but he's going to start lining up a lot more now. And uh, he's had one of his best ones tonight, Sugar Me's Me, been scratched out of the seventh on the car, but he's still got a few floating around tonight who are worth following. So the Duns are the Inform stable. Uh, Crandall Giddy's going to start whining out a few more of his very shortly. And of course, the other big news of the Harness Racing Week was that champion trainer, and that's almost an understatement because he may be the best ever. Mark Purden announcing on Tuesday, after a 10-month sabbatical away from full-time training, he will return to training on October the 1st. And that's, that's big stuff, Smithy. He's going to go back into partnership with Hayden Cullen for three months to give Hayden mm. the acknowledgement of racing horses over cup time. And then his partner, Natalie Rasmussen, will join him back in full-time training from January the 1st. They've had a break. I've spent plenty of time away from racing. They've done lots of other things in their life. And now they've got the appetite back. I admire anybody, Smithy, who can do that at the pinnacle of their career, take that time for themselves and to, to enjoy life. And he's coming back refreshed. So that's going to dynamically change the landscape of New Zealand harness racing once again.
2: Sure will, absolutely sure will. I think that is fantastic news. Uh, look, Mick, you've got a, a very busy weekend um, uh, with us here on SENZ. First of all, uh, the mail run is three hours tomorrow, which is a great group one day, so plenty to talk about there. And then you, yeah, that's with Louie. And then, of course, uh, Trots Talk midday Sunday with uh, Greg O'Connor, when you can really focus it on omaru
9: yeah, we'll get right stuck into Amaru, we'll talk to three or four of the trainers and drivers involved, Smithy. and we'll get right to the bottom of it. The tr- at Trots Talks' is uh, 12 o'clock, there's a chance to win a bonus bet as well. It's just a lot of fun, and, and we, we tend to get into the real minutiae of it. We'll talk to Mark Burden about his comeback. He hasn't done many interviews on radio about it, but we'll talk to Mark Burden and say, hey, what was it like taking a break? What's it like coming back to it? And then tomorrow on the mail run, we have a huge guest list. God, we've got so many people coming in from all of our New Zealand, including the South Island and Australia. We'll talk to Bernard Saundry about the fact that in Victoria, you can no longer be part of the racing industry unless you're double vaccinated. And do they have plans for that in New I don't know, Smithy. We're going to ask them all those questions, and we're going to try and find you a stack of winners. We're going to fast call, the fast lane we call it, calling all these... Uh, jockeys and trainers. It's going to be a massive show tomorrow. New Zealand Racing deserves good radio on a Saturday morning. It's race day. Group one racing there, but also questions around things like Tiara for the jumpers on Sunday and do we ever see jumps racing over the hill at Ellerslie because of the COVID restrictions? Can we hold the Great Northern on the first week in October? Smithy, all of that with your man, Louis, tomorrow morning kicking off at 8
6: a.m.
2: Can I just leave you with some relatively good news as I look out the window, Michael, that uh, the sky has looked as clear and as bright as it has as it now, as it has for the last two days. So just maybe, just maybe, eh?
9: Well, Smithy, the track's now a slow eight. So this time of year when the weather doesn't get super hot, the best it's going to come back to is a slow seven. Slow seven, slow eight, most of these horses start. If it rains more down your way this weekend, it's to a nine. That's when people start not putting them on the truck for a Matamata or Cambridge. Really interesting 24 hours. We'll discuss all of it tomorrow morning. Just after eight o'clock on the mail run, we'll have for you the updated and official track conditions for Tarsino Day. On the harness racing front, if you feel like having a bet, all the odds available on tab.co.nz for tonight. And some of the markets open for the big dance at Omaroo, on
2: Sunday. Michael Guerin, as usual, thank you very much. Have a wonderful weekend on the punt and on the radio, more importantly. Uh, folks, it is 11.31 here. or a little late for the news, but it's just time, just time for me to invite you uh, to try and stump me. Uh, 0800 150 811. Want some TAB money to spend at the weekend? Do you want 50 bucks worth of vouchers going into your TAB account? You might have to be good because if you can't, I might just get it. Remember, I'm batching this weekend. I could do with an extra 50. Ian Smith's had a good match here.
0: Stumped by Smithy.
7: Ian
5: Smith really is top class at his job.
1: He is, and Smithy is in the groove this week and getting plenty of stumpings and plenty of victims have been calling up, waiting for their chance on the phone. I think we've got about eight or nine, but first in line is Elliot from Auckland. G'day, mate.
3: Yeah, G'day, third
1: time redemption. Uh, going again, you're going again. This is unbelievable, Smithy. You're on a hat trick. Have you ever been part of a hat trick before, Smithy?
2: Uh, yes, I was behind uh, the wicket when Matthew Toynbee got one uh, in Gisborne, uh, way, way, way back uh, in the Shell Trophy, and uh, we, uh, we we was uh, unfortunately for David White, the current CEO of New Zealand Cricket, he was a victim, uh, <laughs> the third victim of the hat trick. May. Or may not have been out. Still conjecture and discussion over that.
1: <laughs> oh, love it, love it. You've got one on the CEO of New Zealand Cricket, and you might have one on Elliot, <laughs> but we'll wait and see. All right, Elliot, you know how this works. You choose a sport, then get three questions right. You win 50 bucks from the TAB, but get one wrong, and you could be in deep shtook. So, your uh, sports today are rugby league, basketball, and golf. What are you going for?
3: Oh, happy rugby
1: league. Rugby Feeling league, lucky. All right. What have you previously gone for? Uh, Golf and tennis. Oh, it hurt. All right. All right. A bit of winter code. Here we go. (laughs) Rugby League. Question number one. The Parramatta Eels take on the Panthers tomorrow night to try and keep the NRL title hopes alive. When was the last time the Eels won the Premiership? Ah. 92 one of the worst things i have ever seen done on a cricket field <laughs> oh, i'm feel i'm feeling nervous for you elliot smithy have you got an idea of when the Parramatta eels last won the nrl
2: yeah i know i know it was uh, 2007 and uh, have a good weekend elliot feet
7: everywhere oh. Body Nowhere oh. and uh, the rest of
1: them <laughs> on the way back to the <laughs> no no came in with so much confidence the Melbourne Storm won in 2007 I know that because they beat Manly uh, but no the Parramatta Eels last one in 1986 it's been a long time Good between God. drinks for the Eels 1992 was the Brisbane Broncos uh, their first one against the Dragons so you're still alive Elliot come on mate you can do it two more questions Cronulla Joined the NRL in 1967, but it took it a long time for them to win their first title. What year did the Sharks finally win a premiership? Uh, I think
5: it's
3: five years.
2: There. Okay.
3: 2016. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right oh, in the slot,
2: and
6: away it goes.
1: How good does that feel, Elliot? You've got one right. Yeah, I'm having a good
5: weekend now. <laughs>
1: jot that down when Elliot got a question right and stayed alive and stumped by Smithy, alright, this is for all the chocolates, for all the 50 bucks from the TAB, can you keep Smithy at bay? A simple question this one, what year did the NRL begin? Not when they rebranded it the NRL, but the NRL as we know it, when did the whole competition start? All those years ago, it was last century, I'll give you that clue
3: 1902.
9: One of the worst things I have ever seen done oh, on a cricket 19... field.
2: 1902. 19. No. 1902. Was that? Uh, oh, I don't. I shouldn't deserve a clue, but I'm thinking that included the Winfield Cup. So uh, that's a long, long time ago. 1902. They probably didn't play it during the war years because uh, obvious reasons. There was other things to do at that time. Um, I'm thinking, perhaps. Uh, they started around about 19, I'll take my birth year, 1957.
0: Yes! Feet everywhere, <laughs> body nowhere, <laughs>
7: and the rest of them on the way back to the Pavilion.
1: Not correct. The NRL started in 1908, so you were very close, Elliot, oh. and a deserved winner. A deserved winner after the third time of trying A 50 bucks from the TAB. Yes, yeah. Elliot! Yes! <laughs>
2: what an honour. <laughs> <laughs> oh come oh. calm committee. Confident, yeah, I was a little bit confident there, and I was so close, wasn't I? I was only about uh, 49 years out. But hey, Elliot, stay on the line, man. We'll get your uh, details of your account number and everything so we can get that money in, and you can have uh, maybe a punt tomorrow on the rugby league or uh, perhaps on the group one here, the Tarzino down in Hawke's Bay. Elliot, well done, man.
3: Yeah, let's get the party started.
2: Let's get it started all right you're batching as well are you? Oh goodness me It's 1139 here uh, on SENZ. John uh, you and I here can resume the Christmas ham competition after the break and that is uh, predicting successfully predicting NPC uh, results over the weekend. Voice of sport in New Zealand.
1: Here, Nothing gets past Smithy. this is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: It is uh, 11.44 here on SENZ, wherever you're listening. We hope uh, you have a great weekend. Um, I know it's pretty tough for you people in Auckland again. Keep saying it Friday after Friday, but maybe, maybe there's some hope next week that you can at least break some of those shackles. Uh, Let's hope so. Uh, The good news is you can watch some NPC rugby over the weekend. Not your team's, but there will be some rugby on. Uh, And John Day it gives us a chance to get uh, rekindle, uh, get going again, rekindle that Christmas ham competition, where you have a slight two-game advantage, I'm led to believe.
1: I do, Smithy. Jeez, I love MPC. It's so good to have it back. And you're right, it has been a long time, so people just might forget, this isn't for me bringing this up, Smithy, this is for the listeners, uh, that I've got 11 out of 14 right so far, and you're on 9 out of 14 so far. So only four games this round. Uh, Are you going to keep on going? I think every single game out of the 14, you've picked the home team. So we'll see where you go this week tonight. Waikato against Canterbury in Hamilton. Who are you going
2: for? Well, uh, I'll go for the Mulu. Get those cowbells going. Um, it hasn't been a, a, a hugely successful start for Canterbury. Both sides are coming off a bit of a breather, of course. At least they have been able to get some, uh, some work into them as a, from a team point of view. Uh, but they have to travel and they, they have to go to uh, the Tron. I'm thinking that uh, on a very good surface prepared by KJ, uh, that they will have uh, too many guns. The locals, and after that brilliant comeback victory when they beat Wellington, a lot more confidence. Well, uh, Waikato, Waikato.
1: Yep, that was damn impressive. Their last outing in Canterbury, like you say, I think they lost their first up game and then just beat Manawatu. Um, they do have a strong squad. Why sucking the holos back and playing for Canterbury, getting a start tonight, which will be very interesting. Um, Fergus Burks, a good young ten. Mitchell Drummond, so they've got some good backs, but I'm just not sure that Canterbury packs as good as it used to be, and I think that's where Waikato will get them up front. So I'm with you, Smithy. I'm going the Mooloos as well. So two for the Mooloos uh, tomorrow, Taranaki against Wellington. Uh, that's interesting, always a good grudge match. This one of the teams who wear the same colours in New Plymouth uh, or around the Taranaki region. So who have you got in that one?
2: Yeah, I don't think it's at Pukakura Park. I think that was just a one-off. So they may well be back down uh, in Englewood. I yeah, yep, don't yep. know that for sure. So it could be at Inglewood. So if it is, it's a wonderful little boutique ground. Uh, and I kind of feel that uh, Tananaki uh, will dominate that one. Uh, in the end, dominate on the scoreboard anyway. Uh, Wellington, I think a b- very close game. Really close encounter that. Uh, and, and I am picking... I am absolutely picking uh, the home team again. Yes, John, the home team. You are going for the home team again. Yep, at TET Stadium. Is
1: that the name of the stadium in Inglewood?
2: That's that's correct, yep. Oh, there we go. Yep, so you're going
1: with the home team. Yeah, Wellington, they're a bit like the Warriors, you know. You're just never really that comfortable tipping Wellington uh, because they'll let you down when you need them the most. But I'm going to tip them. I'm going to tip Wellington. I'm going with them. Flashy outside backs. Uh, They'll be hurting after letting that 26-point lead at half-time go against Waikato in their last outing. Uh, Without the bus, Wellington Smithy, probably one of those guys who got released to the MPC from Auckland uh, and then had to go back home because they actually shouldn't have been released. Uh, So the bus will be parked.
2: You're right. Julian Severe, of course, uh, living, uh, as we found out when we interviewed him, living and making his home in Auckland these days. So I I guess it's a possibility that uh, John... He he was one of them. So you're you're going for Wellington? Did I clean from that or not? You are, okay. absolutely. So second game on Saturday, and this was one that I was going to make the
1: road trip up to Whangarei. It is Northland against the Tasman Markle. This should be straightforward, Smithy.
2: Yeah, I would be thinking um, that Tasman will have too much class, uh, John, and and, uh, this is my first away tip of the competition. So um, much as I respect uh, the, the Cambridge Blues... Um and and I think that they're a very good unit and they are tough up there. I just kind of think that there's a bit too much about Tasman at the moment for them. So I'll go Tasman. Yep, TAB agrees.
1: Sixteen dollars you can get head to head on Northland on the Cambridge Blues, uh Blues and you got your fin up, Smithy. Oh, I'd like to see that. Mm. Um dollar $1, one for Tasman and fair enough too, like less defying Anuku, Mitch Hunt, Mark Talia. Uh, they've just got guns everywhere. So yeah, Tasman thirteen plus for me, uh, and then the game of the round, the game of the year. Not only is it the Battle of the Bay, it's for the Ramfilly Shield. It's on, on your home patch. You're going to be there, Smithy? You're going to be calling it? Who you got, Hawks Bay yeah, or Bay of um, Plenty?
2: Yes, I'm calling that with uh, Ken, Ken Laban uh, and Isaac Boss, uh, commentating with us uh, at McLean Park on Sunday afternoon at 2.05. Uh, look, I, I think this will be a classic, a real classic encounter, the match of the round for me, with so much at stake. Uh, and the Bay of Plenty have given Hawks Bay a terrible time. The last six, I think, Bay of Plenty have won five. Um, but I'm not tipping uh, the Bay of Plenty this weekend. Uh, the Bay, as we call them, until Saturday, Sunday at least, uh, I'm tipping Hawke's Bay to beat The Bay uh, narrowly in a shield encounter, an epic shield encounter. Only just I'll be nervous the whole way through. Yeah,
1: I'm with you there, Smithy. So I won't be as nervous as you with vested interest, but this... The more the week goes on, at the start of the week I thought Hawke's Bay. But the more I've been thinking, it's like Bay of Plenty was semi finalists in the premiership last year. Yep. Well coached, got a great squad. I'm going to go steamers. Steamers to lift the log on Sunday at McLean Park, which has made Brian, the panelist, very upset and you quite upset as well. So it's probably a good time to end the tipping competition for this week. Smithy, we've got two different. So you could be back level by the time we talk again on Monday and that ham could be coming your way.
2: OK, John, OK, I, I, I kind of get it, I kind of get it. Uh, the one thing, uh, you know, you've got to factor in um, and to these home teams, no home crowds, no home crowds this time around, and that could be worth, worth a point or two. Um, I'm not sure, Manawatu not playing this weekend. Uh, Staffy will know, and we'll catch up with him very shortly. I'll shake of the head, I can see already uh, he's depressed. SCNZ. 11.56 uh, as we head to the wire. It's time to head across to Mark Stafford. Of course, Steffi uh, takes us uh, through the afternoon from 12 until 4 o'clock. Uh, slightly depressed, uh, Steffi, as uh, we've just realised that your turbos, uh, even with Aaron Smith, haven't got a game this weekend.
10: No game, Smithy, but uh, we'll take the extra week to prepare for Northland next week. 43 years uh, since they went to the Oval and took the Ranfurly Shield off us. 43 years, so every year is payback. Good that you're over it. (laughs) You don't get over things like that, Smithy. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Okay. Actually, the referee uh, didn't live
2: much long after that. He sadly passed away, and uh, you weren't a suspect, were you?
10: No, referee Bill Adlam from Wanganui. Did I tell you the story, though, about an ex-girlfriend of mine was looking for a new flat, and she went into a flat in Fielding, and uh, I went with her to have a look at this flat. We we're very young, and the person uh, introduced themselves. I can't remember the Christian name, but I remember the surname was Adlam. And I said, "Are you related to Bill?" And, and um, she said, "Yeah, that's my uncle." And I said to my girlfriend, "Let's go. You're not living here. <laughs> <laughs> You're not couldn't, living here.
2: Couldn't possibly go to that house, could you? You <laughs> no. could not possibly continue to. It's either you. It's either you or the flat. So yeah. It can't be both." <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. I love it, mate. What, What... What have you, I don't know if you can top that this afternoon. What do what what you show anyway? What
10: is your show? Oh, well, with the return of the Bunnings NPC, we're joining Sky Commentator, actually, Jeff McTainch, to get his uh, look at the round, the full round, and he's mm. probably stuck in Level 4 in Auckland, so he won't get to call any games unless he calls them off the tube. Of course, our Friday catch-up with former Wallaby Jeremy Paul, and we'll let him wax lyrical about the Wallabies because they don't often get mm. to do it. Always good to chat to him. Katie Brown, who's the host at SEN in Sydney, we do a Friday catch up with her as well. Uh, the bit I know you love, Smithy Annabelle Langbein uh, with a recipe for us this week. And I've requested, Absolutely. I've requested chewy biscuits because I don't like hard and crunchy. I like chewy biscuits, and she said, righto. So I'm looking forward to that one. And we've got a new game today. We don't know if uh, once the bosses hear about it, they'll let us go more than a week. We've got a game called Friday Foreplay. And uh, it's one bit with me, Sam, and we'll get a couple of listeners involved as well. Uh, that'll be fun. I don't know if we're allowed to keep that title. We've got the final of our weekly Minute to Win It, uh, which is unbelievable, giving away a prize for that. Thad um, Taylor from the TAB, but, uh, Smithy, I'm pumped up. I'm ready. It's a big Friday.
2: Wipe that smile off your face, Trudy. <laughs> Wipe that smile off your face, quick smart. That's all I can say about that. Uh, Staff, yeah. have a great. Yes, Trudy, you're you something. No, you've got nothing to say. Yes, no, she can't. Okay. I, there's something about
4: the biscuit, but don't worry. There's something so, about the biscuits. Ah,
2: of course, the chewy biscuits. The chewy biscuits. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the perfect. chewy biscuits. Hey, yeah. Staff, have uh, a. You know, uh, I mean, Palmerston North is close to Hawke's Bay. We're we're kindred brothers, really, so uh, spare a thought for um, uh, the Magpie on
10: Sunday afternoon, will you, please? Oh, look, Grand Furley Shield Rugby's my favourite, Smithy. I love seeing a holder hold it. I love seeing a challenger win it. Um, And, boy, this is evenly matched, Smithy. It's game on, and I heard you make the point, no home ground advantage. Well, you get to play at the home ground, but you haven't got your fans there. They're going to have to lift.
2: Okay, thanks for that, Steffi. Good luck this afternoon. Thanks so much, Trudy, smile or not. Uh, Brian, you've been outstanding this week, this whole week, world-class performance. Uh, John, better, better by the day. Uh, To my beloved, who's left me here to bat by myself, uh, drive safely, Louise, drive safely. Please drive safely, that's the most important thing. Missing you already. I'm missing you already. Can you not hear it in my voice? It is 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock here on SENZ.